culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode Leftovers. Hey, Puddin, you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. But if I'm being honest, this show creeps me the fuck out. I toss it. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yay. Um, I say that every week. I say yay every week. Like I'm gonna fuck, like I'm gonna fucking, like I'm a toddler on a goddamn slide, Jake. Right? Yay. Yay. We. What the fuck is wrong? I need to knock that shit off. I've been doing it every fucking week. It's driving me crazy. Uh, this I, week. Oh, I'm shocked. I always thought it was sincere and you had a lot of fun doing that. No. So no. I'm, I'm, ca- I'm already off my game now. I'm calling myself out on it. It's bullshit. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. I need to find a new fucking routine. I'm like just regurgitating the same bullshit every fucking week. I'm like a cow spitting up cud. It's fucked up. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Anyway, uh, this week we are not alone. We are joined by uh, two guests. We've got uh, Eric Wade from the Supercast. Welcome, Eric Wade. Yay! <laughs> you dickhead. Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> we've got Eric Wade on. I thought the whole time we were talking to Super Dave pre-show. Oh, yeah, talking about his <laughs> gravelly voice and Super Dave. and. <laughs> Well, thank you for having me back regardless, gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, We are also joined by first-time guest on the podcast, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Wally Baggs from the Terrible Talkers podcast. Welcome, Wally. Hello, everybody. Thank you. Thank you once again for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, People probably heard you on the first segment that we recorded, the bonus episode for the Avengers Infinity War. Well, they might have heard you. The only thing they remember of you is uh, you talking about the 300. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? (laughs) Remember that whole whole thing? I'm trying to move past it. (laughs) I thought we were going to tack it at the end so we weren't going to reference it. Oh, we will reference it the entire episode. I, I, I love this. I think Wally thought he was free and done with that. Like, that episode had no bearing on this whatsoever. Yeah. It's like, oh, poor guy. It's going to be something that haunts you to your dying day. Uh, yeah. A deathbed regret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, a little friendly reminder to our listeners. Uh, there's going to be no new episode the weekend of April 6th through the 8th. 
Uh, Jake and I will be at C2E2 all three days. I've already had people contact us, Jake, and say, hey, maybe we should record something special while we're at C2E2, to which I said, no. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not happening. Guys, I'm not... C2E2 weekend. Yeah. It's WrestleMania. No. Guys, I... Sometimes we just need a fucking week off, you know, like I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not, you know, seriously, like I'm not there. I'm not all business. You know what I mean? It's just like, I just need a fucking week off. I just need to, you know, I, I, I need to get, you're the fucking kids. I need to get away from the fucking kids, right? I've had, I've had like little Johnny sucking on my nipple, like for weeks. I need to drop the kids off at the, at the grandparents' house and get the fuck away from you little brats. All right. Guys, well, kinda. Kind. Because yeah. if you if you want to have an exclusive Brian and Jake show, I mean, you could be at C two E two that weekend. Well, sure. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to do that, but I'm not gonna. I'm, not, I'm talking about. I'm talking about recorded audio. It's not happening. Okay. No. All right. No. You kids have been sucking on my nipples for too long. You destroying my areolas. I got to get fucking rid of you. Okay. My body needs a rest. Okay. Daddy's got to sleep in. You guys are fucking killing me. So. I got to get away for a little bit. So we're not recording shit. There's going to be no special little bonus episodes, none of that shit. All right? So get that out of your goddamn minds. All right? You're going to be fine. You're going to you're going to survive one week without listening to this goddamn show. One little yeah, week. That's why we did two episodes this week. Yeah. Save one of these episodes right. for that week. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they're saying there's a chance that we might get an extra episode. No. There's zero chance. You, you did get an extra episode this week. The Avengers extra episode. Ah. Uh. Is, there you go. Uh, you, no, it's 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 like they it's like they think that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do something nice, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do something real nice for them. They just I want you to just just get that out of your heads. That ain't happening. There's it, not gonna be like this little. Oh my gosh! Oh, a PCL episode's popping up uh, the weekend of April sixth through the eighth. No, get it out of your fucking nothing happening that week. Nothing. It's gonna be a barren wasteland. On iTunes for PCL fans. Barren Wasteland. It's nothing. <laughs> no recommendations this week either. You're on your own for other podcasts. Yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> fucked. Should we uh, guess? Don't listen to my podcast. <laughs> Let's see here. Hey, Jake, you want to know how many iTunes reviews I'm going to read this week? Always. Please don't say zero. I'm gonna read zero. We, we, Aww. we got four new iTunes reviews. We got four or five stars, but nobody cared to leave any, uh, written word. So, not really. <sighs> oh man, I'm glad we did this, this episode second, cause that would have destroyed me for the Avengers <laughs> recap. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, let's see here. I don't know. What am I, what are we doing? Are we just jumping into this thing, or should I bring up something cute? Oh, I need something cute, man. I'm fucking devastated from the lack of iTunes reviews. All right. uh, first, I want to thank everybody that uh, downloaded Number One Comic Books, uh, my podcast that I record with uh, Rebecca, Joe, and Rod. Um, not, I, you know, I want to thank everybody that downloaded. You don't have to listen to it; just download the fucking thing. All right. I don't care if you listen yeah. to the damn thing; just subscribe to it, download it, and delete the fucker. I don't give a fuck what you do with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't care what you do with it afterwards. No, no, just help, help help you out. Download it. Help a guy out. Just look. Subscribe. Just, yeah, exactly. Get on your fucking little iPhone or your Android or whatever the fuck you're using and type in number one comic books. All words, no numbers. Number one comic books. Click on subscribe. Download it. Once it's downloaded, if you don't give a fuck about it, just delete the fucker. Just get it out of there and just be like, you know what? I did my part. 
I did my part, you know? Like, now now you're a real member of the leftover army, you know? Yeah. I don't care. What and you if you want to give someone a wordless five-star review, give it to a number one comic book. Yeah, yeah. Give us a five-star review. You don't even have to write anything down. Just five-star. Boom. There you go. And then just leave. Just leave. Just fucking walk off into the sunset. Seriously, I don't give a shit. You don't have to. You don't have to write anything. I don't care. I, I have to. I, <laughs> could, could we not care anymore, Jake? <laughs> my mute button was too far away for that snicker. I was like, if you could see me, my finger was like two thirds of the way there. I, I don't. I don't like my attitude this episode, Jake. <laughs> I'm really coming off like I don't care, and that's like not even true. <laughs> so I care a little bit, you know. Definitely, yeah. They know it, yeah. Hey, Jake, you know, like last week we talked about uh, we're going to get to advertise content, people, and it's really not that good this week. So what, listen to no. the listen to the Avengers episode and listening to the riveting 300 conversation Wally goes over. Uh, it wasn't even that long. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> oh, really? Come on, Jay. Bringing it way down. Really? There. Yeah, come on. That's. I'm geez. sorry. Yeah. I do have to say, I listened to your uh, comic book podcast, and yeah. it it is really good. I'm I'm surprised that there's not, you know, a shit ton of those out there. And um, you know, I ended up picking up Deathbed. That was a um, a recommendation from Stark. Yeah. So. Yeah. Joe is so good at this fucking podcasting thing, right? Yeah, it's he his is. voice. He's he's it's got not the smoothest the, yeah, he, NPR voice you've ever heard. Sure, he's a jack of all trades. I mean, yes. he's writing books, doing yeah. podcasts, he's reading books. He's, like we we, we kind of hate the fucker, to be honest with you. Seriously, I'm glad, I, he, I'm glad he's not here this week. To be completely he, honest, I like he's like a goddamn that. rhino in the fucking. Oh fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk more about the rhino talk. <laughs> Actually, you know, that went somewhere though. Like, that was fun. Like, but when, when you bring it up like 300 references that nobody's picking up, like, it's, it, yeah. Wally. If I'm getting yelled at for bringing up a pop culture, le- uh, uh, reference on pop culture leftovers, then I don't know what this world yeah, is coming but it, to. It's the worst reference to bring up. Let's talk about the mystics from 300. Like, come on, man. Come on, dude. Let's up All our right, game a little learned. bit. All right. It's my rookie mistake, you know? (laughs) You live and learn, right? Yeah. Uh, hmm. That was our awkward awkward pause moment of the episode. Yeah, I feel like our (laughs) Avengers Infinity War episode was fucking aces, and then we get to that stumbling block, right? You know? Yeah. Like, like, I didn't know what to say. Yeah, I, I like, knew I wasn't going to be the first to talk about a Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> no, it was like it was like, it was like it was like Colt forty five works every time. Colt forty five works every time. Hey, let's let Wally talk. Fucking stumbling block, and then <laughs> and you know, and <laughs> Wally. <sighs> oh, stop it! Stop it! I'm fucking with you. I'm fucking no, I can with you. Don't yeah, worry about it. absolutely. I'm fucking with you. No, Wally's a great guy. I want to thank him. You sent me a, an awesome care package, and it really made my day. And I want to thank you for doing that. I haven't forgotten. It was very fucking cool. So thank you, sir. Oh, no problem. Yeah. Um, 
say, <laughs> I'm going to shut up. I was going to say, maybe, I'm, I'm, there's I'm gonna, not going to be another one, but yeah, <laughs> enjoy that one. <laughs> I will. I will enjoy the one and only. Uh, let's see here, Jake. Last week we talked about uh, the step by step intro. Remember, JT, the step by step, the roller coaster, all that bullshit. I do. Mm-hmm. You said I feel like that's one of those '90s sitcoms where they changed up the intro. And you know what? I went back and I watched from season one all through like season seven, the different intros. And you are, it's crazy because you're right and you're also half right. Let me explain how this works. Okay. Okay. So JT, the, you know, Frank's oldest boy in season one, they show him at this amusement park. If you didn't listen to our last episode, you are like, what the fuck is this asshole talking about? Just stop. I this. think we brought him up to speed. Yeah. I think he did a good job. All right. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, JT in the first season in that intro is at one of those, um, uh, he's at one of those, uh, strength test games. Like they call it high striker. Like the one where you take that, that, the big mallet, like the big fucking like, uh, uh, Harley Quinn mallet and you hit the, you hit the thing and then you're waiting for the thing to shoot up and hit the bell. And it's like, and then if you do that, you're a big fucking man, right? Of course. I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. Okay. So they show like little JT, like 13, 14 year old little JT with like his little junior mullet, like hitting that fucking thing. Right. And so when you want, when you jump ahead to season five, when you jump ahead to season five, he's doing the same thing, but he's older. <laughs> That's bizarre. It's fucking weird. Like they were, so they refilmed it, but yes, it's the same shit. Yes. And he's older. They were really committed to that fucking goddamn amusement park, Jake. Like they were not willing to come off that fucking amusement park. They used this <laughs> and hold on. The, the the Patrick Duffy's and Suzanne Summers footage that they used in the in season five was the same footage that they used in season one. But they had to age up the kids, so they reshot their shit as older kids because they were fully committed to this fucking amusement park. It's ridiculous, Jake. That is ridiculous. <laughs> Did the song stay the same? For yes. The run? Nothing different with the song. Nothing. Okay. Not a goddamn thing different with the song. They and in the in the first season, in the first season, they had a fucking nanny. Is there a nanny in season five? No, nanny. They got rid of that character. She's gone. I'm also going to the youngest boy, Frank's Frank, the youngest boy in that series. Patrick Duffy plays Frank. The youngest boy is gone in the final season. He's gone. He disappears. And there's no mention of that fucking kid anywhere in the final season. Like, he's just gone. They just had it with that kid. <laughs> he must have been a problem actor. Do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, they did that with uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as well. The the youngest girl. She's, like, not there for, like, the final seasons. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. they have a line of dialogue for it, though, didn't they? No. Like some nonsense? She I mean, disappears. Just blink your eye and she's gone? She's gone. She's gone. There is literally nothing. You know, they, they already changed out Vivian's, you know? Like, we got a different Vivian. They were like, just let's just make this girl disappear. Right? Yeah. I, I, I swear they made jokes about the new Viv, though. Maybe they did make jokes about the new Viv. Yeah. <laughs> that I, I feel like I clearly remember. Yeah. All right. Let's move into some good pop, bad pop. <sighs> That wasn't fun. Like, what that we, helped. Do you think so? Did that help? 
Yeah, yeah. I was pretty down with the no iTunes reviews. I feel better after the step-by-step talk. All right. Here we go. We're jumping into good pop, bad pop. Time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. All right. Real quick, I just want to talk about um, some things that I've been watching. Uh, Sneaky Pete Season 2. Has anybody else started this but me? Yes. All right. What'd you think, man? Did you finish it? No, so I have two episodes left. I had just finished episodes eight before we started recording. Yeah. I don't know about you. It's a total Tupperware for me. I'm loving it. <laughs> Fuck yes, it's a total Tupperware. And like it's, this, it's great. This is uh, this is some of the best ensemble acting that I've seen from a cast. Like every, like yeah. I feel like the first season was a lot of Giovanni Ribisi, and I feel like Sneaky Pete season two is just like an ensemble. Like everybody's yeah. bringing it, and I feel like if 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 Margot Martindale is not nominated for an Emmy this year. They're out of their goddamn mind. She is so good in this series. She is yeah. fantastic in the second season. Yeah, the the entire cast is phenomenal in this. There is not a wasted character. Um, wait, I, how far along are you? I finished it last week. You did? Okay, yeah. so, so I, I think... I, I won't spoil anything for anyone. I just say they've done some really good thing with some with some characters, uh, mm-hmm. and, and some of the darker characters they've introduced have been really really good. So, yeah, I, I'm totally in love with season two. I can't wait to finish the last two episodes. Yeah, <laughs> it is so so fantastic, and I hope that it, it, they do leave it open for season three. And I hope. Uh, Eric, once you finish it, we'll talk about it off air sometime. Uh, uh I'm down. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a Tupperware. The whole season ends on a Tupperware. I also want to talk real quick about Baskets season three with, uh, Zach Galifianakis and Louie Anderson. It is tremendous. I, I love Baskets. I'm still watching it. I know I've talked about it in the past, but I just wanted everybody to know that I'm still watching Baskets and I still love this show. It is incredible. I love it. FX is, they're, they're fucking, their comedies are just great. Their, their half hour comedies are just fantastic. Like it started with It's Always Sunny. You know, Baskets is great. I'm loving Atlanta and, and they just, they really can do no wrong. I love, I love everything that they're putting out. Um, I also want to talk real quick about 60 days in that's the, uh, the show that I watch where it's a reality show, Jake, where the people go to jail, like regular people go to jail and they spend 60 days in jail. And then yeah, they, that sounds cool. Yeah. What channel is that on? It's on A and E and, uh, next they, they had the, they had the, like next week is like the, the recap of the whole season. Okay. So they have a season finale, which they just had. Okay. And then the next week is where they have the, like the, the participants sit down together and talk about the season as a whole and like their experiences while they were in the jail. Well, let me just tell you, this season was the fucking craziest season I've ever seen because they brought in a girl. Her name was Angela and they brought her in. She was a lesbian and they brought her into, um, uh, this, this jail pod and she falls in love with a real inmate this season and eventually tells this girl that this woman that she fell in love with her, her name was Gabrielle. She tells her that she's involved in like, she's a plant and like, but her feelings for her are real and she wants to be with her when the show's over. 
Well, the producers find out that, you know, Anjale tell, told this real inmate that oh she's, part, yeah, that she's part of this fucking like this, 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 she's a plant for like, you know, the, the sheriff's office. She doesn't tell her that she's part of 60 days in, but she tells her she's a plant and the producers then tell like the sheriff and he says, I'm, 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 I'm shutting down production. Like we got to pull every participant out of here because if word travels, if Gabrielle tells other inmates and we've still got inmates, we still got participants in cells and word travels, they're all at risk. And so this next like episode is like the other participants basically just coming down on Anjale about how she handled everything. Dude, it was fucking crazy. Like they show her like straight off, like straight up making out with this girl, uh, pulling sheets over. They, they had like a scene of them two fucking. It was crazy. Fucking. Wow. That sounds crazy. I, it's going to be interesting to hear like the actual yes. like yes. professionals after the fact. Yeah. This season was absolutely nuts. This season, this was the most crazy season that I have ever watched of this show. And it was, um, the second season that they had in Atlanta. It was, it's fucking crazy. If you're not watching 60 Days In, you gotta watch this shit to believe it. Um, I felt like the first couple seasons, they had some, they had some participants that I feel like were like, like, uh, aspiring actors. And I feel like this season, they kinda like, they weeded those out a little bit and this felt a little bit more authentic. They actually placed a real police officer in there and that was an interesting angle. So man, this, this season was just, they, yeah, they placed a, a father and son that were Mormons in there together. And then they separate them into different pods. It was a fucking crazy season. I love 60 days in. It's so fucking good. Yeah. I, that sounds like something I would definitely watch. Can you watch that without DVR in it? Is it on any of the streamers? It might be on, on demand. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't think, I don't think A&E is involved in like Hulu or anything like that. So. Um, I got two more, I got a couple more things that I want to talk about here real quick. Um, Ash versus evil dead season three. Um, I've seen the first five episodes. Um, the fourth episode is coming out tonight on stars. Uh, I was given access to star screeners. I've seen the first five episode five is fantastic. Um, some big things happen with Pablo in that episode. And then there's a really hilarious scene with a bowling ball. And that's all I'm going to say. But um, so far, season three is a Tupperware. Uh, Eric, I know you're watching Counterpart. Yes, absolutely. Counterpart on Stars with J.K. Simmons. It's the science fiction drama. Um, I I I finished the season. I Star Screeners. They had all the episodes there available for me. I finished you the bastard. season. <laughs> I know you bastard. Complete bastard. I know what's fucked up. About, uh, what's fucked up about screeners is like they they will let you watch the episode one time, and if you go back in to watch it again, it's totally like it's blocked out. You can't watch it more than the one time. So brilliant on their part. Yeah, yeah exactly. And they track it. Like when I'm watching it, I actually have like my email address on the screen and then it keeps flashing up for screening purposes only. So, wow. but I watched, dude, I am telling you that counterpart, the penultimate episode that they're playing tonight, the last six minutes with, yeah. they will, the last six minutes are fucking intense. And then, I watched this morning. I watched it this morning. Did I already, you? It, it's been hitting. It's yeah. been 
It's been hitting uh, pirate sites allegedly uh, <laughs> in the mornings <laughs> on Sunday. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I allegedly watched it already, and it's mind blowing. It's it's one of the best shows of the year for me. I've I've made a note to make sure I do not forget about it when it comes. To, we start talking about best shows of the year because it is phenomenal. Absolutely, and then wait until like next week when you do see. The finale. I'm not going to spoil anything for you. I am going to let you know that it is fantastic, and that um, you will you will not be able to wait until fucking season two. Like it is, it is, it is fantastic, man. It is. So I'm guessing from the way you're talking, your rating for season one is overall is a Tupperware. It's a Tupperware. Uh, season one is an absolute Tupperware. J.K. Simmons. Um, deserves an Emmy. I mean, he deserves an Emmy. I, I know I've like given one out to fucking Margot Martindale, but she deserves it for Sneaky Pete. And I feel like it's, it's it, these performances that we're seeing like at the beginning of the year, I don't want them to be forgotten at the end of the year. I think like, and these, that's some fucking dude you saw in that episode in counterpart where the two are, are talking to each other between the glass. Yeah. 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 That was yeah, it's J.K. Simmons yeah. is I've always liked J.K. Simmons. This is a whole never another level that we get to see him. And I think that we've never got to see out of him. And, you know, to me, I would have before this, I would have already called him a character actor mostly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. this is a whole different level. And I, God, just amazing performances. You win an Academy Award for Whiplash. I think that. And I think, I think stars is like in a unique place now where they're trying to like keep up with HBO and, 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 um, Netflix that they were willing to take a risk on JK Simmons being a leading man. They were also willing to take a risk on like Justin Marks, like this, this new writer. And they give us this series. And dude, it's one of the fucking smartest series I've ever seen. I've ever watched. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like there's constant action, no. you know, to try to they're, – they're not going for the cheap stuff to try to make it exciting. Yes. And just, I mean, it's – what I'm looking forward to is after next week when I finally get to watch the season finale, turning around and going back and rewatching the mm. entire season because it's one of those shows that there's so many layers to everything that they're doing. You know they're pointing things out to you that you're totally missing. Exactly. 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 And I think that I think that one thing that I will say about the finale is I think that the events that happen in the finale will definitely carry over into the next season. And we aren't going to see we aren't going to see things. I think we're going to have to see the aftermath of what happens after this big event happens in the finale. I think that that most of the season is going to be where they left this off like nothing's going to change for for the majority of the season and i'm really looking forward forward to that you'll you'll know what i'm talking about we'll we'll, we'll talk about that one too oh you're fucking with me it's just driving me insane i cannot wait <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> stars stars has some great programming programming i'm mean, like ash versus evil dad and an american gods. american gods yeah yep so uh and then counterpart is just there like anything justin marks does anything he writes in the future like i'm there i'm fucking there this guy is like brilliant i love like you've got like I, i'm loving what we're getting in tv now man 
get fucking Noah Hawley, Taylor Sheridan is doing uh, Yellowstone on on Paramount Network. We've got fucking uh, um, Alex Garland going to do devs on FX. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, there's – and Justin Marks now, like this guy coming in. Some new names, like doing some TV. This is unreal. Like, Yeah, I mean, the, what did he happen? I know we had the Jungle Book. Yeah, um, yeah, which was great. I, yeah, he did. He just he, but he didn't have a ton to his name. No, he did not. Uh, so, so this is awesome to see. So, final thing that I want to talk about with you guys here, real quick. I want to get your thoughts on, um, and I want I want your real candid and honest thoughts. I want everybody's thoughts on like the new Ocean's Eight film coming out. I that's part of my good pop bad pop. I want to know what guys are thinking. You know, I think it's fine to hear like what women are thinking about Ocean's Eight. I hope they're excited for it, but like I want to know what like what you guys what you're thinking about Ocean's Eight. Um, I, I'm fu- I'm fine with it. I I love a good heist movie. Like, and when they can pull that off, it's you know I like two of the three Ocean's movies, so I, I'm excited to see more of that that kind of film. I don't know. I am. I guess I am a little bit on the mindset though that it's like. They're using the title to make money, and it would be cool if it just would hold on its own, you know? But yeah. it doesn't really bother me that much. If it needs that title to get people to go see this, then then good for it. And I hope it's good. I, I think it's a fun franchise, and I'm glad to see it live on in this way. Wally, what are you thinking? Ocean's 8. Have you seen the trailer? Uh, I have not seen the trailer, but we have talked about it pretty pretty at length on uh, on my podcast i honestly think that it's almost a detriment to it in my opinion that it is in an oceans because if it was just a a good trailer with you know a female cast doing a heist you know i'd be in on that but a majority of these ocean movies in my opinion aren't good and i just so it just okay. doesn't pique my interest at all. There's, there's been three Oceans movies, so you're saying a majority, so you're saying two are bad. Yeah, I like the first one and the other, the last two. I mean, I didn't even see the last one. Wasn't that where uh, – uh, what was the fe- – Julia Roberts, isn't that correct? Yeah, Julia Roberts. Uh-huh. Doesn't she play herself seeing herself in that film, something like that? That, ha- that happens in the middle one. And okay, so that's two? That, that's two, yes. So That's, yeah, that's I don't the know. one I didn't like. Oh, you liked yeah. Ocean's 13? I liked it more than 12. I liked 12 more than 13. All right, Eric. Yeah. Ocean's 8. They are shitting all over my childhood and the oceans that I grew up with by changing this to all fe- No. What? I, I, you go, you I, going I, Ghostbusters on I'm me, kidding. man? I'm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, hey, hold on, hold on. There's, they're not putting any rhinos in this movie. No, no, as long as there's... Okay, that that completely changes what I was going to say then. If there's no rhinos, I'm much better with this film. Yeah. No, I I liked the first two. Um, I, I, I loved one. Yeah. I liked the second and third. I didn't think they were great, but I agree. I think it almost does more harm than good. You don't need to use the oceans. Bottom line, give me, give me a good heist. I'm with you, Jake. I love heist movies. Um, I will usually immediately grab. That's one of the reasons I love Sneaky Pete. I love the con man stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love good heist. I loved Leverage. I watched every episode of Leverage when it was on TNT because I love a good heist. So if you give me a good heist story and a good heist movie, I will be, go see this and be happy regardless of what you call it. So I don't think you need to pander and, and use the ocean's name, but 
you know, the, the, it doesn't really hurt it for me either. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. I hope it's great. I I, I hope it. See, that's the thing. It's like I I kind of agree with you guys that they don't have to use the ocean's name because you have such talent involved in this. I mean, Sandra Bullock, Tilda Swinton. I mean, there's so many, so many talented women that are in this movie, and I feel like they don't have to use the ocean's name. I think I see what they're going for, though. I mean, they start – it's Ocean's 8, and then it, they're hoping for a sequel, which would be Ocean's 9. And then mm, another yeah. one would be Ocean's 10. Okay, what do we already have? 11, 12, 13. So what's the next movie? It would be Ocean's 14. Billy Ocean. Billy Ocean, yes. I just say Billy Ocean. It would be Billy Ocean. Billy Ocean would be the next movie, all right? Um, no. It would be Ocean's 14, and it would they would try to combine the best of the remaining cast of, you know, uh, 11, 12, and 13, and then the best of 8, 9, and 10, uh, men and women, they try to combine those because, of course, we're not going to get Bernie Mac back, you know. I mean, you know, so that's what I think that the goal is. I don't, I'm hope, I don't know, I don't know. I'm hoping that 8 is great, but yeah, maybe, maybe the fucking name calling it Ocean's 8, and especially after Ocean's 13 left a bad taste in people's mouth, and Ghostbusters didn't do much for itself when it came out, mm-hmm. like, so Ghostbusters wasn't as bad as people made it out to be either, though. I well, yeah, I Jake and Frank were fans of that film for the most part. I was not, um, but um, yeah, and I love Paul Feig. I still fucking love Paul Feig. I don't care what. I don't care if I wasn't a big fan of Ghostbusters. I think Paul Feig is great for Hollywood. So he's been great on the Netflix. Uh, yeah, the Joe McHale show. show. Yeah, absolutely, man. So. I don't know. I think all these movie franchises that are trying to build this connected universe, they just get themselves, you know, they tie their own hands together because they they try to connect these stories that don't really work. They, they don't just go the route of making a solo movie where it's a good story, standalone story. And if that has good, re- you know, people go to see it and it's received well, mm-hmm. then make another one. You know what I mean? I, I just I really feel like everybody's trying to do this model and it's only a few companies are doing it correctly. Should Edgar Wright then pump the brakes on fucking doing a baby driver too? Mm, I, I I don't know. I, to me, that's a little bit apples and oranges. I, I think it is a little bit playing the nostalgia card here for no reason. Like needlessly playing, okay. like trying to. Oh, it's an Ocean's movie. I'm gonna go see it. Yeah. You know? Okay. So we're right. talking. We're talking about established franchises like rebooting with like females. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like it, it, it's the more I think about it, I think it is. I don't have a problem with them doing it, but I really do think it's a detriment to it. I think it drives people away when they think, oh, it's part of this thing that I've never been a fan of. So I'm not going to be a fan of it now. You yeah. know, even the potential you know, female audience, I think a fresh franchise would get fresh eyes and fresh fans. That's why I loved that's why I love seeing like Annihilation, just the cast. Like even before the movie came out, I was like, okay, it's Annihilation. You've got Gina Rodriguez, you got Tessa Thompson, you've got fucking, uh, you know, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, and you've got Natalie Portman. Like four women, fe- four female actors, like starring in this like you know science fiction movie with Alex Garland, and it's not based on anything that we've seen before. Like it's based on a book, but like we had never seen like. Annihilation, like, you know, 
a previous iteration of this where the characters were men or or a previous iteration of this at all like this was like this was like they you know hollywood like alex garland pulling something new and giving us like new characters and shit like that like they're not just trying to like no this isn't that's what I, I think we need more of that. Like, if you're gonna fucking have like, if you want to, if you want to have, if you want to have female characters be at the fore fucking front, right? Write stories about female characters, and I think that it actually it just goes back to Hollywood just being more inclusive and like letting more women be screenwriters and and directors. So, you know, I don't mean to get all political and shit, but I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe this this movie doesn't get made with any other name but Ocean's Eight, and if that's the case, then yeah. power to him, you know. Yeah, but yeah. it's unfortunate if that is the case because I, I think it would be better served for what they're trying to do to just have a fresh franchise. Man, I I love the trailer. I love the fucking trailer for Ocean's Eight. I really do. I don't know if the movie's going to be any good, but like it's it's a good trailer. It really is a good trailer, and I, I want to see them fucking you know pull that necklace off of uh, Anne Hathaway. I'm like every time I watch that trailer, I, I can't wait. I can't. I want to see this movie, and I can't wait to see. I hope it's good. I really do hope it's good. All right, guys, yeah, I'm with you. It's a it's a yeah. movie I'll see for sure. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna let you, one of you uh, you guys uh, go on with uh, something you got for good pop, bad pop. Uh, Wally, we'll start with you, man. All right, um, I'll start with a show that I know Brian, you've. Re- viewed or talked about a couple times yeah. the shy yeah on showtime yes uh the season finale i believe is tonight and uh i love it i i, I mean it it airs on showtime on sunday nights um the i, I don't have anybody's name pulled up in front of me oh, but we, the lead got, actor was easy e from uh jason, straight out of compton jason mitchell yeah and the kid uh kevin alex R. The kid from moonlight yeah you know, so I, the cast is phenomenal. Like yeah. the kids, just Kevin's friend, Papa. And uh, I don't know. It, it's it's it reminds me a lot of The Wire um, just because it's not really focused on an individual character per se. It's more it's more split amongst it's it's more about like the neighborhood slash, you know, slash yeah. Chicago or whatever. Yeah. Yep. And you spend you, know, you spend more time with some characters than other. But. Um, I, I love this. Uh, it's written by the uh, the woman who wrote um, Master of None, and she was the season sorry's friend in that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lena Waithe, I think her name is. Yep, that's her. Um, but she, the way she writes this is just the conversations that people have. Um, it's great, you know, and like so. I, I've had a few conversations about the shy compared to the wire, and. The Wire is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's bar none. And the, the thing that, like, you know, people are saying this is the new Wire. And the only say, the only argument I have against that is the writing, I want to say, is just as good as The Wire. But the characters in The Wire that you get, like, you have Omar and Avon Barksdale and Bunk and McNulty. Like, n- names that, I, you know, I haven't Stringer seen. Bell. Yeah, I mean, all these names I'm going to remember. I haven't watched the show in five years, but I'm always going to remember these names. I don't know that five, ten years down the road I'm going to be remembering Brandon or Kevin. You know what I mean? I'll I'll remember them as characters, but not just, you know, when Omar, when Omar was, you know, doing what he was doing on The Wire. Like, you're waiting for him to come up, and there's no characters in the shy like that. But, uh, you know, it's a Tupperware for me. Uh, if You know, I love every minute I watch – I watched episodes multiple times, you know, so that's a big, you know, factor how I know I like something. Yeah. So, 
I'm a few uh, episodes behind. I'm not going to lie to you. It's been one of those things where, like, you know, of course, uh, I've been reviewing, like, Jessica Jones with uh, Steve from Scenic Cast, so I've been watching that, and I, I wanted to make sure that I got caught up on, like, Counterpart and Ash and things like that. So I'm a few episodes behind, but um, it, it is a Tupperware from the episodes that I have seen. It is so well written. I love this show. The Shy is so good. It's, like, one of those reasons, like, to get a Showtime Showtime subscription is to, yeah, is that to watch Shameless, in my opinion. Yeah, I haven't watched Shameless. I actually just started watching Shameless this year, and it was due to the podcast because, you know, people are suggesting, your friends are suggesting stuff to you. Yeah. And so I started it this year, and, man, it's 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 phenomenal. Oh, shit. It, 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 it gives, takes you on an emo, emotional roller coaster. Just You can be laughing your balls off at, you know, how the father in it is, you know, yeah. just so shot. And then you have a, a scenes where it's like it's bringing you to tears almost, you know. But it, it's great, That's you know. Awesome. But it's a little it's a little daunting getting into something like that where it's seven, eight episodes or seasons deep, and you know you got so much going on. How, other many, shows how, many, going how on. many episodes are there though per season? Like ten? I want to say a little bit more than ten. I'm not sure. I've been just binging it through Netflix, okay. but um, you know, uh, actually, I was watching the counterpart as well, and uh, yeah, you know, the shy is taken over counterpart I, I actually have let counterpart uh stack up a little bit because of the shy uh okay once once the shy is finished get back to counterpart man it's fucking oh, worth i will it. it's worth yeah. it 100 jk simmons is one of my favorite actors just from him being on oz from schillinger yeah. you know he's yeah. when i see him that's who i think is schillinger yeah you know so uh, yeah i definitely will get back to that oh god i fucking God, the counterpart is so good. It's like, it shouldn't even exist. It's that fucking good, right, Eric? Yeah, it is. It's like it's it's too good for us, you know. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk real quick about. um, Yeah, definitely watch the shy. You guys, it's it's man, it's it's fucking it's tremendous. It's on my list to to watch. Yeah. It's got uh, the little kid from uh, Moonlight, Alex R. Hibbert, and he shows up at the end of the Black Panther movie, and that kid is a fantastic actor, man. It's like the, you know, it's like I'm thinking to myself, like, he should have been cast in the, uh, in the, uh, if he was a little bit older, he should have been cast in the um, It movie. He's so oh, Wow. You know? I like that. He's really, I mean, that kid's really good. He's really He's going to be around for a while. I think so. Like, I like him. I like, the kid actors that I like are, are Alex R. Hibbert and Jacob Tremblay. Jacob Tremblay from Room. I oh, think. the Wonder Kid. Yeah. He, he also showed up in like, uh, The Last Man on Earth in, a, in an episode or two of that. And then, uh, Mark Hamill has even come out and said that if they have a very young Luke Skywalker show up in anything in any form of media that he would like to see jacob tremblay play a young luke skywalker so i thought that's awesome yeah i mean you got fucking luke skywalker himself saying you're a good actor um i watched oj simpson the lost confession did you guys watch this on fox Mm -mm. how was that no oj fever fucking hit like okay there was oj fever of course in 94 but like OJ Fever like hit like crazy last year. Like we had there was an eight hour documentary that that they had on Hulu, and then there was the whole FX series, The People versus OJ Simpson. So like 
everybody was like obsessed with OJ again. And Marsha Clark's getting her own show on A&E this year, which looks incredible. And I think it, uh, it premieres on like March 29th or something like that. It's, um, good for it, her. It's an existing show, but she's taking over the hosting duties and it's on A&E and it looks so good. And I cannot wait to watch it. Um, she's like, and she's like taking on like on like all these cases, like, you know, like the Robert Blake case and stuff like that, like revisiting that and stuff. So, um, this was OJ Simpson, the lost confession. Fox got the rights to this interview from OJ Simpson, uh, OJ Simpson, a real interview that he had back in 2006 that never aired. And it was when he did that book, he got uh, the book, if I did it, which it was going to come out, but the Goldman family and the Brown family, they squashed that. So it, I don't think the book ever came out. So it's this, this interview is 12 years after the murder. And then here we are 12 years after the taping of this interview. And you, we finally got to watch this interview and it was so fucking eerie and creepy because she's interviewing him about like, different um parts of the book that he wrote and it's titled if i did it and so there's there's a whole section of this interview where he's talking about hypothetically how these yeah, he mur- kept saying hypothetically yes. over and over again yes <laughs> he kept saying hypothetically that he how he would do these murders and he talks about and he keeps, yeah, he keeps reiterating hypothetically. And he talks about stabbing Nicole and stabbing Ron Goldman and then blacking out and then, and then just seeing blood when he comes out of the blackout. And, and then he brings up another guy that's with him that brought the knife, whose name was Charlie. But like if you read between the lines, Charlie is him. Charlie is the dark side mm. of him. And it was, it was fucking creepy as all get out. And I, I felt like it was a, a, an admission of guilt with a guy just keeping, with a guy just saying hypothetically all the time. And like they, and like they, they talked about like him showing up at the gravestone. Like, like, uh, there was, uh, the people that, uh, the funeral directors were, were on the phone with, I think like the Brown family or the Goldman family saying like, he's here at the gravesite yelling at the headstone. Like, and like they even said like, uh, when he showed up to, uh, like the funeral, like, uh, that, that, that he was, and, and, and he said it in the interview that he was yelling at Nicole, like, you know, why would you do this? Why would you do this? And and basically saying, like, she was hanging out with the wrong people, and that's eventually, like, what led to her death. But, like, it sounded more like, if you're, if you're familiar with the case and what happened, it sounded he's like, why would you push me this far to make me do this? You knew that I, I warned you about this. Why would you do this to us? It was... Oh my god, I could wow. not. Yes, I could. And as the interview goes on too, you can see him like catching himself. Yes. Yep. So you watched it too. I caught I yeah. caught enough of it to okay. know. Yeah. Got a gist. Yeah, it's called OJ Simpson the Lost Confession and it was um I mean, I'm glad that I got a chance to see this. They had um uh, on the panel, of course they had um 
uh, what's his name? Uh, Chris Darden, who is, you know, uh, one of the attorneys, um, you know, prosecuting attorneys. And then they had, uh, one of Nicole's friends there. They actually had the host, uh, who did the interviewer, the, the, the interviewer who did this come back and talk about it. And, uh, it was a well done, um, special and uh i'm glad i saw it because like i watched i got caught up and watched that whole fucking eight hour documentary on on hulu and um you know and then i watched the people versus oj simpson and like this was just another piece of that and uh it's sad like i jake uh eric i don't know if you guys uh are old enough to, do you remember studs the the dating show that was on i Fox? do remember studs the dating show yeah. eric do you remember that studs i don't yeah i vaguely remember it look up studs ron goldman on youtube he was a he was a contestant on studs really yeah and it's like it's sick you watch that and you see this guy this young guy good looking guy so full of life and you just think to you know like he was in the wrong place at the wrong time you know it's just sad and like you see the goldman's and they lost their son and it's, and you know, and the Browns lost Nicole and, um, it's, it's, it's sad. It's sad that it, you watch this OJ, the last confession. And like the whole time I'm thinking to myself, like he just snuffed out two lives of two people that, that had, that had more life to, to live. And, and, um, she was a mother, she was a mother first and, uh, fucking it's just, it's, I, you know, I 100% believe that he did it. I mean, you know, so. <laughs> hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically. Yeah, if you get a, if you get a chance, I don't know if it's on demand, but it's called OJ, The Last Confession, The Lost Confession. Uh, it's a Tupperware. I highly recommend that you watch it, especially if. That, yeah, go, sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead, man. No, I was, just, I was good. That Marsha Clark show is called Marsha Clark Investigates yeah. the First 48. Yeah. Yeah, like the first forty-eight is a show on A and E, but Marsha Clark is going to start taking over as hosting duties on that, and uh, I can't wait to see that. It looks good. She's going to be talking about some really cool cases and bringing to light some new evidence that uh, you know, like the Robert Blake case. She's like in one of the, like the uh, trailers. They're talking about like how some of the some of the like the some of the files on the computer have been deleted and and things like that and the browser history uh, some of these things have been deleted on computers and stuff i i can't wait to see it so i i fully believe robert blake is a murderer as well so i don't know yeah anyway uh what do you guys got um, I watched a new Netflix show last weekend that I, I really liked. I'm going to give it a taste it. It's called Nailed It. Oh, Netflix. shut the fuck up. That's part I of mine. That. That's part of mine, oh. too. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, it's a reality cooking competition show. Yeah. They give three contestants really complicated dessert platters that they have to try to recreate. Yeah. And then the uh, – Judges rate them on how well they look and how well they taste. So yes. if it's a complete failure visually, you can still possibly come back on the taste aspect. And uh, after watching one episode of this, I ended up watching the whole thing. It was just six episodes, and they were only an hour each. So it was a, it was a fun Saturday afternoon with this show. Only, I'm going to give it a high taste it. They're 30 minutes apiece. Are they 30 minutes apiece? Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, that makes yeah. sense. No wonder I watched it so quickly. Yeah. I <laughs> – yeah. Uh, what'd you think of this? Did you like it? I fucking love this show. I fucking I love this show so much, Jake. I love this show so much. Um, <laughs> it was hilarious. It's, Some of the it's like 
okay. It's it's based there's it's based on the on the same concept that that people have been doing on the internet. They like where they take like a culinary creation, they try to recreate it, and they have an hour to do it, or an hour and a half, or two hours, or whatever. And three judges judge this whatever they make on looks and taste. So the I remember like the first challenge that I watched, they recreated like these vodka buttercream pops. There were three designs to choose from. They got to run up there and pick their design. There was like it was like uh three stages of love. There was like one that was lips and then there was another one that was like a broken heart and then there was like another one that was a ring and a finger. So it was like, you know, there's the first kiss, there was like marriage and then there was the broken heart, the divorce. And like they tried their best to recreate them. And I I love the the host Nicole Byers cracks yeah, she's me. Great. She cracks me the fuck up. She like, oh my god, she's talking about like the broken heart and uh the how the contestant that made the broken heart totally like just butchered it. And she's and basically what you're looking at is like this red mess on a baking sheet. And and Nicole said the original heart looks like animated hearts that are broken and your heart looks like it's actually been ripped out of an actual chest. And I, <laughs> I died laughing. I'm like, this woman is fucking killing me. And oh yeah. Some of the barbs were crazy. The one challenge where they had to recreate the uh, castle cake with the princess. Yeah. Uh, Rapunzel yeah. in the castle. And one of the barbs was, a. Uh, <laughs> Well, it may not look like a castle, but at least it tastes like one. And I was like, oh, jeez. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the one that you had, they had to recreate, like, Rapunzel with her, like, her long hair. And, like, one of the Rapunzels looked, like, so creepy. She looked like a, uh, um, the, like, a gorilla's character from, like, uh, the band. Yeah, the yeah, gorillas. I agree. That, and, that's a great description. And Nicole said, "Nicole said, how would your how would your Rapunzel sound?" And she's like, "Hey guys, uh, yeah." <laughs> I just, started, I just, Jake, what I love about this show is it's not like other baking competitions. It's not like Gordon Ramsay or I like Chop too, man. I like those shows, but this is different because everybody's having fun. Like even if they fuck up, the hosts are having fun. Nicole's having fun. She's acting silly i like how like you know wes like the guy that works in the production like the different ways he brings out the 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 trophy and um I, dude yeah that was fun i loved it when and, uh jay jay the, the the actor from super troopers like had to leave and go pick up his kid and it was like a real moment like a judge left the fucking show in the middle of the show to go pick up his kid because he didn't have a babysitter. And they're like, is he coming back? I don't know. I'm just like, I love how real and fun this show is, man. I, I talk yeah. to wear this. I loved this fucking show. I can't get enough of it. Six episodes was not enough. I love Jacques, the fucking French. I love the way he says buttercream. I could listen to that motherfucker say buttercream. Like, I, I could listen to him say buttercream all fucking day but the cream i love him i love <laughs> yeah and it's not it's not without <laughs> like I, you talk about how everything's very friendly and fun but there it is a prize like the yeah. whoever wins each episode sure. does walk away with ten thousand so ten thousand dollars but but the judges are they're not yelling at people for like their fuck-ups they're they're laughing no. at them and they're having fun and well uh, and that's what makes it all the better because it's not going to be any fun if they're just trying to make it funny yeah. and trying to make bad versions like it's more hilarious that 10 grand is on the line and this is the best the person could do i love it when the dude didn't even turn on his fucking tablet to read the directions like just started making shit 
you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, this was a great show. I love Definitely it. Definitely a high taste it for me. If they do more, I'll watch it. It's a Tupperware for me. I can't get enough of this. I love, I, I tweeted at Nicole Byers and I told her she's like my favorite person in the world now. I love her. She fucking <laughs> cracks, awesome. she cracks my shit up. She is so funny. She's got a podcast. I haven't listened to it yet, but now I'm going to, cause I'm going through like Nicole Byers withdrawals. Cause she is, she cracks me the fuck up, man. That, this show is like brilliant. It's so simple. It's so simple, but so good. So yeah, it's one of those. It's I wanted to bring it up because it's like one of those shows. When I was talking about how Netflix needs to do this show, where they yeah. tell us about the shows, yeah. Like I this I had no idea about this. It just kind of popped. I think yeah. I saw a Facebook article about it. I saw it on the front page of Netflix. I just happened to like like you know, get onto Netflix, and there it was. And I was like, and it just kept running, you know, and like the the trailer for it. And I was just like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll watch the first episode. Maybe this will be something I'll talk about on the next PCL. And then it was like, okay, I'll watch the second episode. And then like the next <laughs> day it was like, I'm on, I'm locking out the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth episode because I can't stop watching it. And I love the way that motherfucker says cream. I could listen to that all day. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love like the little, like, the little lifelines too. Like the Nicole Nags button, the. Oh, that was fun. The freeze button. You had, uh, oh, yeah, the freezer burn button. There was the panic button where, like, the, one of the chefs would help them. I, I love this show from top to bottom. It's so fun. Yeah, it's a great show. Great idea. I'm, I'm yeah. glad it exists. It's fun to watch a fun cooking show again. And I think you make a great point. It's fun that they're not just yelling at them, like, yeah. Ramsey style and right. calling them idiots. Fuck that, man. They're having a good fucking time. And I love some of the judge, the, like, the, uh, the, the, uh, the hosts that they have on these, uh, uh, guest judges that they have on. Like I've never heard of some of these fucking people and they were cracking my shit up. I'm just like, the little old oh. lady they had on the first episode was the best. I was so upset when she wasn't in episode two. Oh the, yeah. The, the little, little old lady. lady with the big glasses. And she just yeah, goes into great. the other room and she starts fucking like, what did she do? She, she was, was stealing pots and pans and pots and she pans. Whole set. Yeah. And you, if you watched her every time they got up, she was like the most positive human being in the world too. She, she's like, but they tried, you know? And I don't know. She, she just, I like old people anyway, but, uh, you know, I was kind of upset that she wasn't in the second episode. She, I was hoping that if she was, it was going to be like those three judges, Throughout, but well, you didn't, you didn't watch the end. Of it. She died after that episode. They had like a whole memorial. That's not right. Had, <laughs> Seriously? No. <laughs> she had a heart attack carrying all those pots and pans she stole. <laughs> they had a memoriam at the end of the episode. Like, <laughs> he showed her picture. Yeah, in remembrance. So <laughs> with her pots and pans. Yeah. yeah. The next episode, they had to make a cake that looked like her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cake that looked like uh you know uh the contestants resuscitating her back from from <laughs> from the netherworld <laughs> what was fucked up about that show is like each challenge got worse man like they got harder like it didn't yeah, get easier did. like oh wait, now you're gonna make a volcano with fucking dinosaurs you know <laughs> it's like fuck man I, I was like, I couldn't, you could give me six hours and I'm not even getting close to that. <laughs> I love the shark one, man. The shark one fucking slayed me. They were all neat. Yeah. I, you know, all the designs were super cool. They were cool, man. I love, love it. Nailed it. It's called Nailed It. Watch it. It's amazing. 
Netflix, yes. See, the reason Jake gives it a high taste is because, Jake, you're, you're the game show guy. Like, you watch all the game shows. Like, I'm like I'm like the every once in a while game show guy. So, like, any game show is going to be, like, e- I'm going to be easily impressed by a game show, whatever the concept is. You, on the other hand, you're like you're like game show wizard. Like, they really have to blow your dick off with a really interesting game show concept. And this, this, this was, this was high taste at level, but this wasn't like Tupperware level for you. Like, you are, you're a game show god. Yeah, I, 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 I won't ever watch this again, you know, like five years from now, unless they make new episodes. But I really enjoyed watching it while it was on. Yeah. All right. Uh, Eric, what do you got this week, man? Yeah, so one of the things I'm going to bring up is uh, is thanks to Mr. Jake, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid is an anime that I watched. Jake, um, you know it's a pretty standard repeated story that you've heard over and over again. Girl goes drunk, she goes out, she meets a dragon, invites the dragon to come live with her. The dragon decides to come and be her maid, and then turns out. Oh, by the way, she's a lesbian dragon. So you got that whole thing going on. Uh, it's it's a total Tupperware. It's a very enjoyable anime. Um, some really good characters in there. And uh, kudos to you, Jake, for, for recommending that I watch that. I, I really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to season two of that. Yeah, it's a great cartoon. It, it's very bizarre. It's like slice of life meets dragon mythology. <laughs> It is. It is. It's uh, and it's great. Uh, Fafnir, by the way, was my my favorite character on there. So uh, I really enjoyed it, and I thought it ended well and set up a great season two. Um, and then the other thing I want to make sure that I mentioned for the, for the people that that watch it, um, the magicians is just killing it. This is if you're not watching the magicians, you're missing out on some great great television. They're about to wrap up the third season they've already got renewed for a fourth which is awesome it's one of my favorite shows on tv um something very different they do a lot of cool things i they did a uh they worked in a musical number which i'm not i am not a fan of musical episodes but if you can work one song into the story i it doesn't bother me and they did queens under pressure and worked it in great to the story and it was awesome they have so many great moments on that show that i i cannot i i'm i'm gonna be sad to see it end and have to sit all off season until the next season but if you're not watching it get caught up on the magicians i'm gonna work a musical into this episode i hope you're ready eric because it's gonna be you right. singing it which one? Which one? I don't know. I don't know. Some musical about you're going to be singing about how much you love rhinoceroses. I don't know. <laughs> Happen later in the episode, so I'm going to put you on the spot, and you're just you're just going to fucking perform. All right. I better have a fucking number in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jake, uh, you're. We all know that you're the king of like uh, just <laughs> just rap. You're like what is it? Free like flowing? Like what do they call that? What is that? Oh man, <laughs> freestyle. Freestyle. You're a freestyle rap god. Yeah, exactly. You haven't lived until you heard Jake's freestyle rap. It's fucking unreal. Yeah, Lin Manuel and Eminem eat your heart out. Exactly. Some eat my heart out. I mean, yeah. Let's see here. So, yeah, The Magicians, I, I think you can, can you watch the first couple seasons first, on Netflix? First, 
first two season uncensored are on Netflix, and that's uh, the uncensored version is great. Although they've been pushing the boundaries more and more now, as they've gotten a, gotten a little bit edgier on sci fi with yeah, some of that stuff, yeah. and and that's great, you know. And while I'm thinking, while we're talking about sci-fi, um, the Expanse, the new season of Expanse, is coming here very soon. So, uh, for those of you that watch seasons one and two, get ready because I think season three is going to be phenomenal. So, uncensored magicians is there like a lot of magician genitalia, like a lot of like like magic pussy and. Uh... No, they'll, so the difference is the language. You don't uh. actually see. Magician pussy. Although so they really, they really do push the boundaries. I heard season four is going to introduce a character called David Cockerfield, and he's got a huge dick. <laughs> oh, that's a fun word to say, David Cockerfield. Yeah, yeah. Abracadabra, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, real quick, I want to talk about, I've, I've watched, uh, some movies this week that I want to talk about. Actually, I've watched four movies that I want to talk about. I'm not going to spend too much time on some of them. Other ones, I might spend a little bit more time. I saw Gringo in the theater, a dark comedy mixed with white knuckle action and dramatic intrigue. Explores the battle of survival for businessman Harold Soyinka. Uh, played by David Oyelowo, and uh, when he finds himself crossing the line from law-abiding citizen to wanted criminal. It's directed by Nash Edgerton, who is the brother of Joel Edgerton, who is in this movie, which makes 100% sense why this fucking got made. Um, it uh, stars Charlize Theron, uh, like I said, David Oyelowo, uh, Charlto Copley, Tandy Newton from Westworld, Amanda Seyfried, Harry Treadaway, who plays Brady on Mr. Mercedes. Um, and I am going to, and, and of course, Joel Edgerton. Um, I was not a big fan of this movie. The, the big problem with this movie is definitely like in, it's, it's in the editing room, it's in the pacing, and, and, and that starts with Nash Edgerton as the director. If, if, if this is his cut of the film, he really needs to learn from how he put this film together. I think that with this cast and this story, if you give this movie to uh, Steven Soderbergh, who did like the Oceans films, or if you give it to Edgar Wright, who did, you know, Baby Driver, if you give him this cast and this story, they make this movie better. I don't know how much better, but they do make it better. And I, I think the director kind of ruined this movie. There's this whole story about this drug that they focus on in the trailers called Cannabax. That's basically like a marijuana, like it's like marijuana in a pill and it doesn't play a large part in this movie at all. But in the trailers, they, what they want to fool, like they want to fool like cannabis users that like, it's a big deal. And I feel like they're trying to pull that demographic in to see their film when this movie really has nothing to do with the Cannabax film, with the Cannabax yeah, film. That's a real cheap trick. And they waste the cast, like I said. Charlton Copley and David Oyelowo have like a couple cool mo- moments in this in this movie, but the final product is terrible. The there, uh, there could have been a really great like heist slash revenge story, but it wasn't. It it wasn't smart. It wasn't funny. Amanda Seyfried is like they play. They make her out to play like a bigger part in the trailers, and she really. 
and maybe a possible love interest for David, Oyelowo's character. That never pans out. Charlize Theron is a despicable character in this movie, and she basically makes it out of the movie squeaky clean. And I, there's, I don't know. There's not a lot here. I'm going to give it a low taste. It, I, to be quite honest with you, it's something that I actually, like if it came on TV, I might watch it again because there was like a couple moments in the film that I actually really enjoyed. But, uh, the execution here is terrible. So, Gringo is, I don't know, it's a, it's a low taste it. Low taste it, huh? Yeah, it's not good. I wouldn't recommend seeing it in theaters. Like if it, like if you can, if you want to watch it, like if it comes out on like Stars or HBO or some shit like that, then go ahead. My cat's acting like an asshole. What the fuck are you doing over there, buddy? It's <laughs> <laughs> driving me nuts. I'm trying to talk louder, like talk over his noise making. Did he poop again? No, he's not. No, he's not. Crazy. This is this is my other cat. He's like sitting in a box, and then and he's like batting at something. What the, what are you doing over there, buddy? We need. We're gonna have a talk later. Anyway, um, I saw. I also saw Love Simon. Has anybody else seen Love Simon? I saw Love Simon. No. Uh, no. All right, Love Simon. It's a young coming of age teenage boy, Simon Spear goes through a different kind of Romeo and Juliet story. Simon has a love connection with a boy, Blue, by email. But the only problem is that Simon has no idea who he's talking to. Simon must discover who that boy is, who Blue is. Along the way, he tried to find himself as well. Um, this is also, I'm going to point out, it's a story about a boy who has not come out. He has not come out of the closet. He's he's gay, but he hasn't come out. I love the poster for this because it, it's so meta. It says, coming out 2018, and I loved that poster. Um, but, hey, I, uh, Wally, what did you think about Love, Simon? It's, it's Okay, let me go over the cast here. Director is Greg Berlanti. Um, Eric, I know you'll know who that name from CW. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Greg Berlanti. This is, is this his directorial debut? I think it is. I was going to say I did not know that he yeah. had directed anything before now. Nick Robinson plays Simon. We've got Jennifer Garner plays the mother. Josh Duhamel from the Transformers films. Um, he plays the father. Catherine Langford, uh, the young girl from 13 Reasons Why that commits suicide in that Netflix series. She's in this movie as well. Alexandra Ship. Was she in a, was she, was she in a fucking, uh, Alexandra Ship? Was she in a, was she, I, I keep thinking like she was in a fucking, uh, she was in something. Was she in an X-Men movie? I'm not sure who that is. She looks vaguely familiar. I did not look to see. Yeah. Let me see if I could pull it up. Was she Storm? Was she Storm in the new, in the new X-Men movie? Alexandra Ship? She played Abby in this one. She looked, was she Storm? Anyway, looking it up. Yeah, Logan Logan Miller was in this one. I uh, played Martin. Logan Miller was in uh, some episodes of uh, The Walking Dead. Uh, Keenan Lonsdale um, played Bram, and she uh, was Storm. She was Storm. I thought she was. Yes. Uh, so Alexander Ship Storm is in this movie. Uh, Bram uh, Keenan Lonsdale played Bram, who familiar with him he's wally west on the flash so greg berlanti got him this job working on this film um george or jorge lindeborg jr played nick and uh tony hale who plays buster on arrested development plays the principal in this movie what did you think about love simon wally uh right off the bat i'm gonna give it a high tasted 
I, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would, to be completely honest. Um, the cast was phenomenal. Uh, I, I really like Nick Robinson. I don't have too much experience with him outside of the Jurassic, you know, other than the Jurassic World movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, Josh Duhamel, um, Jennifer Garner as the mom. Uh, the only thing that I could say that kind of threw me from this was the humor, you know. And I went to see it with uh, my wife, opening night, packed house, and all the jokes were slaying. Uh, but, you know, comedy is more subjective, and it didn't really – like I wasn't rolling my eyes at the jokes. It just, you know, they had some Pokemon jokes that is just completely out of my wheelhouse. And Tony Hale is somebody that I really, really like from Arrested Development and Veep. And uh, I just he, he, he was kind of annoying to me in this movie. But other than that, you know, I, I really enjoyed, you know, this is you boil this down. This is a rom-com, um, but it's. It it keeps you guessing. It keeps the viewer guessing. And the way that the, the way that Berlanti, you know, filmed this and it teases the viewer on maybe it's this person or maybe it's that person, and it kept you it kept you guessing all the way up to the end. And I, I the two hours flew by. I, I really enjoyed it. And like I said, I can't say enough about Nick Robinson. He was charming and uh, charismatic and funny and. You know, I, I know that, uh, Brian, you've mentioned before that you'd like to see him as Spider-Man. And yeah. I never really saw it before, obviously, because I only saw Jurassic Park. But seeing this, like, I could really see that. You know, I think he would have been a great Spider-Man. I like Tom Holland, but I think he would have been a, a really good choice. Yeah. So I'm at a, I'm at a high taste it. High taste it. I, I've been a fan of Nick Robinson since the Melissa and Joey days. <laughs> so um, I always saw something special in the kid, even back then. And then he got the, um, I'm glad he did this movie. Uh, he got the Jurassic World gig, but I'm glad he did this movie. This movie, um, I'm going to give it the Tupperware for the message. And, um, I think that this movie is going to be like, I think, I think we're looking at movies like sometimes, um, you know, like, like we, we look at the movie like Shape of Water that won like, uh, that won the Oscar for, you know, best movie for 2017. But I'm thinking to myself, like, and I loved that movie, and I think Guillermo del Toro deserved it. But overall, the more I've been thinking about it, like, the movie that I think that I'm going to remember in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years is going to be Lady Bird. Um, I loved that movie. And I think, like, this movie here, like, I think, like, this movie is going to be a movie that I remember and I, I will always go back and watch in the future. And, and it felt like very, like the music, even like the opening, um, like credits that were popping up on the screen, it felt like a love letter to John Hughes movies. Like if it did feel like a John Hughes. Yes. It feels like a John Hughes movie. Like if you, it's like if John Hughes made a movie about a gay teen coming out, that is this movie. And it's so good. I, I Tupperware this. I loved it. Greg Berlanti is a great director, in my opinion. I can't, I want to see him do more stuff. Um, and I love the way, like I was reading about this and like how he worked with the kids and stuff like that. He revealed in an interview that there are clips of like the friend groups of, uh, Simon, Leia, Abby, and Nick, like that group of friends that would get coffee in the morning, um, before school. They filmed, he filmed, scenes of them without them knowing like he would basically tell them oh wow cut. yeah cut and have the camera roll and then like a lot of these unscripted moments that they had of friends just being friends 
like the dancing scene in the car that made the film and they did not know that they were being filmed. I like stuff, little stuff like that, that you learn throughout the production, like really like uh, drew me to like his style and how he works with actors and young actors. And I, Greg Berlanti, I think like, especially seeing like it with like what he's done with like the, the CW universe and things like that. And and this being a love letter to John Hughes, I, I love this. I think that the, uh, I'm hearing that, uh, you know, like, uh, young gay teens that have not come out are bringing their parents to this movie and their parents are being more loving and tolerant and then they've been able to come out throughout the filming. This is, this blew me away. Throughout the filming, there were actors that were so affected by the filming of this movie that, uh, Nick Robinson's very own brother came out during filming. Wow. And then Keenan Lonsdale, who plays um, Nick in this movie, he's wa- – uh, excuse me, Bram. Um, he plays Wally West on The Flash. He came out as bisexual after the filming of this. Like I, I think – this movie, man, it's – I was like – I was literally in tears. Like I – I didn't have any gay friends until I got out of uh, high school, and then I had a lot of gay friends, and it made me realize like how hard it was for them, especially to come out in like the the late nineties, mid to late nineties, and um, you know how you know, we think it's easier now, but like still, it, it shows us how hard it is for high schoolers to come out these days. What were you saying? Yeah, it, it was. It. I mean, it, so I went to an all male Jesuit high school, and if if any even the suggestion that you were gay at that school and you probably were not going to be able to stay there because they would make your life a living hell back then yeah 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 it's i think this movie this movie has it sends a great message um i can't wait to see this again i will see this again in theaters and you know what this movie does well that in my opinion 13 reasons why didn't it it, it gets more of a realistic teenage angst i guess uh there's certain scenes where you know nick robinson is like laying in bed and you can feel the weight of him you know what's going on in his life and you can just it kind of brings you back to being a kid and worrying about just like stupid insignificant shit yeah and uh but with that being said the movie is surprisingly light you know it's it it's not it's not a depressing plotting film and it's it's just a lighthearted rom-com of you know self-discovery mm-hmm. and i don't care who you are if you didn't get teary-eyed in the you know the uh, in no spoilers but just yeah. the scene between josh duhamel and uh nick robinson uh, you know uh, you could hear the it was audible in our in our theater just yeah. all the sniffling and just readjusting it, it was uh, i was really pleasantly surprised yeah i mean i had moments where i was laughing moments where i was tearing up and and um I mean, I never have wanted to see two men kiss in my entire life more than in this movie. So <laughs> I'm being honest. Like I'm, I'm 100% like I'm, I'm comfortable with my sexuality, but I want to see, it, it makes me happy just to see people in love. I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that it doesn't like when you watch a movie and two people fall in love, it's a beautiful thing. And I feel like that's the same thing here. I wanted these two people to fall in love. I wanted to see that kiss. So I, I was, you want, you want the happy ending. Absolutely. So, and that's the, that's the, what's that? The, uh, on the movie poster, they say every, everybody deserves a great love story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. So, you know, I mean, love has no bounds and it shouldn't, I don't know. I, I, I love this movie. I could, 
I, I could I could do a whole podcast on this fucking movie. Yeah, I could talk a little bit yeah. longer on this too. Yeah. Uh, anybody watch Tomb Raider this week? No, I did not. I also watched Tomb Raider. Eric? No. All right, Wally, let's talk some Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Uh, Laura Croft, uh, the fiercely independent daughter of the missing adventurer, must push herself beyond her limits when she finds herself on an island where her father disappeared. It's directed by Norwegian film director Roar Uthog, who has the coolest fucking name ever. <laughs> I so want my name to be Uthog. That's awesome. Roar is a good name. Roar is a good yes, fucking name. Fuck a Uthog. Awesome. I am Roar. Hear me roar. Like that's it's redundant, but it's fucking awesome. Um, yeah. I am Roar. Hear me Uthog. Uh, let's see here. But he's best known for the wave and the escape. Neither I have ever heard of. So I won't talk about those anymore. Uh, this movie stars Alicia Vikander. <laughs> Uh, Alicia Vikander from Ex Machina um, also stars former guest of Pop Culture Leftovers, Daniel Wu, who uh, when I interviewed him for Into the Badlands season two, when I talked to him, he was actually in South Africa filming this movie. We kind of talked about that a little bit before we recorded and talked about um, Into the Badlands uh, season two. But uh, I have a huge, huge man crush on Daniel Wu. He's so awesome. <laughs> He is, he's a really cool guy. Really cool guy. Easy to talk to. I was so nervous talking to him before that interview. And I felt like, um, it was, uh, I was still nervous when we talked, but it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was fun to talk to him about, uh, uh, something that he was in that, uh, I really enjoyed that first season of. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I also, Nick Frost is in this movie. I love how he was in this and they were both, you know, castmates on uh, season two of Into the Badlands. Um, Tomb Raider also has uh, Walton Goggins and Dominic West in it. So um, I have my rating locked down. Wally, what did you think about Tomb Raider? Uh, uh, I'm going to give Tomb Raider a low taste it. You know, that being said, I think this is the best video game movie probably of all time. It's not a, it's not really a tough leap to make, but Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat. Come on. This is better than Mortal Kombat. I mean, it's a low tasted, but I I don't know. I guess you can throw that. It's you're splitting hairs. I'm saying, well, hold on, hold on. Okay. I'm saying like, when I watched Mortal Kombat as a 17-year-old, I think my tastes were a little bit different back then. And I think I was a little bit more, you know, I you know, I hadn't watched as many movies as I have now. So I, I can see what you're saying. but No no love for Street Fighter? Fuck Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah. I'm partial to the Resident Evil movies. Yeah, I do like, I do like some true. of those. I didn't yeah. even think of those. I... I am going to like my honest I'll give my rating here in a second but like I think this movie starts off really strong and fun. I loved the bicycle chase scene at the beginning of this movie. I the loved fox hunt. it. That's my favorite scene. I loved it. That was so much fun. I loved Oh man. I was like this is so cool. I was like I was I was like so happy when I saw that. I was like, "Oh man, if the rest of the movie is this great, I'm going to this is going to be it. I can't believe it. I'm going to give it a Tupperware." It's That's the exact same thought process yeah. I was having in, in the movie theater. I, and then the rest I, of the movie happened. I well, I I even liked I liked the robber the when she was getting robbed by those street thugs and they were chasing 
you know, when she was chasing them down for her backpack. And I, I love the first introduction of Daniel Wu is like this drunk ship captain. I thought that that was really fun. I thought that everything was really solid and on a really good course until they got to the actual island, right? I'm with you on that. Yeah. Exactly. That's when I, the movie really fell apart. You yeah. know, I, from that point on, you believe Alicia Vikander, um, as a capable, intelligent mm-hmm. character, you know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a, you know, 38 year old man, you know, saying that I, I appreciate the fact that they didn't just sexualize her like they did with the, um, the original Tomb Raider. Oh yeah. You know, Cause yeah. you believe her as a, like I said, a capable, a capable character. Right. And then, you know, they get to the Island and I feel like it kind of fell apart there. It wasn't horrible. No. Like it wasn't laughable or anything. It wasn't like a call back to last no. week, a deathbed regret or anything, but there was, there was, there were still moments on the Island that I liked, but there was a lot of moments on the Island that was fucking stupid too. Yeah. I mean, and there were some bad character moments and some bad acting involved. I mean, I, I did, I really liked the plane, the, the plane waterfall scene. I liked that. I thought that that was a fun action scene with Alicia Vikander. Um, the tracker, though, that finds her later in the movie, that was silly and, and mm. stupid. They, uh, he sends his tracker. We'd watch no tracking. He just shows up to where she is in the dark and when she's sleeping. And she's floating in the water the whole time. Like, how that, I know that yeah. he's a tracker, but how right. the hell do you, I, I thought it was pretty well known that you can't really track through water. Yeah. There's, there's stuff that was in, like, like they, they go over the whole lore of like, uh, Himika's tomb, um, and like they set it up, they they really and I understand that Tomb Raider is a ripoff of Indiana Jones, and I, I get that that you're not going to be able to separate those two things. Even the video games felt very Indiana Jones. Okay, I understand that, but I felt like Indiana Jones, where like he goes through like these different um, tasks or um, mi- like missions, like you know, like in in um, Last Crusade where he where he goes through and he's got the, only the penitent man shall pass and stuff like that. It's smart. It's real smart how they do it. They hype this these these different levels that she's got to go through. They hype this chasm of corpses. They 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 the many faces of death. Whatever, like. They hype these things up and only one of those paid off. Like the, there was the um, uh, – they they hype up this, this tomb and at the beginning like there's this puzzle that she's got to solve to get in, to even open it up. And it's literally just her turning Twisting these – Twisting it, yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> Which at the beginning of the movie, they gave her a really cool puzzle. Like the, what was it? Like the, the first letter in your, your surname or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Then, it was, I remember it was, yeah. it was in the R or whatever yeah, it was her the, father's name. Exactly. And that, like, that was cool. She, 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 you know, she figures out that clue and that clue made sense here at the end of the movie where everything should be like, you know, like, um, the stakes should be bigger and like I, I think the the puzzle should be that much more interesting. They totally blow it. Like she's just literally just turning shit and she gets it to the point where it just opens up. I'm like, what the fuck? Like you made it make sense earlier to the viewer. Now she now now just because you've established that she's good with puzzles, we're just supposed to believe that she turns this and now it, and that she opens the door. And then, and then, and then they, they, they hype up the chasm of corpses. And what does she do to get over the chasm of corpses? They use a fucking ladder. 
<laughs> yeah. They just this, they throw they throw a Jake they throw a ladder over the chasm of corpses and she walks over the ladder. That's oh man, the chasm. I'm glad I was busy this weekend now. <laughs> they, but see, but see, but see, they, they they skip they skimp there, but then they give us this. Um, they give us like the faces of death room, and and there's the there's these jewels that she uses to like as keys and stuff like that, and it and, and it's a puzzle, and it, the puzzle makes sense, and it's smart, but they don't do that the whole movie. And it's it's upsetting because I really feel like I'm going to tell you, Wally. I think Alicia Vikander is a great Laura Croft. Mm, I agree with you. I think that without her, this movie would have been exactly, awful. exactly. I think she's a great, and I, I like I like Daniel Wu's first introduction into this movie. But once they get him to the island, he's a bitch. He's just a guy with a gun. And I don't expect them to have like Daniel Wu doing like his martial arts like he does in Into the Badlands. They don't have to do that with his character. But basically he's nothing by the time he gets to the island. So Yeah, and part of these movies, you know, this isn't the pinnacle of filmmaking like yeah. the National Treasure one and two, but yeah. you know, part of the fun with these movies is as the viewer, you kinda go along with the uh the the character solving puzzles you know and you can't do that in this in this movie you, you just kind of like you said you accept the fact that she's good with puzzles and they don't give you any clues to yeah help her along the way or help you know maybe get an idea to solve it along the way they just kind of just she solves it and that's that would you watch a sequel I, I i would i would watch the sequel if they like i said they have to they have to make the puzzles part of the movie. Like yeah. it's got to be almost a character in the movie. Yeah. And they didn't do that here for me. Eric, Jake, I'm telling you, like you guys don't have to go to the theater to see this one, but I would recommend that you watch it like on a lazy Sunday. If you have a day off and it's on t- TV or something like that, I would recommend that you watch it. Just- How was Goggins? Goggins? Oh, yeah. Let me be honest with you, and I'm being 100% honest with you guys here. I have never seen a bad Walton Goggins performance. This is the most unmemorable fucking performance I've ever seen of Walton Goggins ever. Mm, that's unfortunate because th- that was one of like the shining stars of seeing this movie to me. Wally, be honest. What did you think? Like, if you liked it, that's fine. I'm not going to judge you because I love no, Walton I'm, Goggins. I'm not that person. Um, Walton Goggins is one of my favorite. Like when he played the laugher in American Ultra. Yes. You, you know, it just I, that that was the selling point to this movie for me was just to go see it. You know yeah. what I mean? Was Walton yeah. Goggins, and I'm echoing exactly what you say. It's a completely forgettable role. We forgot to even talk about it. We've talked yeah. about this for 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, I, I, and yeah. another character that ruins this movie for me is Dominic West, and I'm not going to get into spoilers, but it's like, mm-hmm. just he, he brings down the movie as well. I mean, and some of the, dumb. some of the decisions that they make in this film, like I feel like th- this movie started off really strong. I like the fox hunt was great; it was so much fun. I, once they got to the island, I would. I liked maybe 25 percent of the things that happened on there. I liked I liked the plane. I liked. A third of like the things that she had to go through to figure out puzzles. 
but the overall thing is I would watch another Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider. I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it to taste it because I loved Alicia Vikander and I loved the first third of this movie. But, um, other than that, there was, it definitely had its problems and I wanted to love this movie. I wanted to. How do you fuck up Walton Goggins in this movie? Exactly. And how do you start off with like that first hour? I'm with you. That was a Tupperware. Yeah. The first hour of that was a Tupperware yeah. and then it just fell apart. Yeah. Like you I, know, and I think this movie is about 25 minutes too long. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. you know, it's all, it's almost two hours. I think it's right yeah. under two hours. So, yeah. Uh, I have one more movie that I want to talk about here real quick before, you know, and if you guys have anything else, then we can go over that. But I wanted to, I saw the hurricane heist. Oh, how was that? I went and saw the hurricane heist. Thieves attempt a massive heist against the U.S. Treasury as a category five hurricane approaches one of its mint facilities. Mint facilities meaning basically this is, uh, there's $600 million that, uh, the U.S. government is going to destroy it's old money it's old bills they're going to burn it up i don't did you guys ever watch that queen latifah movie what was that movie where they they burned the dead shri- presidents i love no. that fucking movie it, it wasn't i love de- dead presidents it, yeah. it wasn't dead presidents no. was it no it wasn't no. dead presidents i love that movie it was uh, what's the queen latifah movie huh oh it's that it was the bank movie i like that movie too it's a good fucking movie. Anyway, uh, I'll look this, it up while you're doing this. Yeah. Director is Rob Cohen. He did Daylight with Sylvester Stallone. He also did Dragonheart. Uh, this movie starts Toby Kebbell. Uh, you'll remember him. He was, uh, wasn't he, uh, he was the villain. He was, he was Dr. Doom in the Josh Trank movie. And then he was the bad, he was the bad ape in, uh, the second Planet of the Apes film. That was Toby Kebbell. Um, it also stars Maggie Grace's Casey. Ryan Quanton from True Blood is Breeze. His name is Breeze. <laughs> Breeze. Anyway, Ralph Innocent. Set is, it off? Uh, was it set it off? Set it off, yeah. Set it off. That was a good movie. Uh, She's in a lot of shit movies. Queen Latifah? Yeah. She was in a Steve Martin movie that I love, too. What was that? Look that up, Wally. Um, I'm a, I'm a, you're bossing me around now to make a fun of me. <laughs> What yeah, year? Bringing, bringing down the house? What was the Steve Martin Something movie? like that. Holy shit, Jake. Where did that come from? Wow. That's, no, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, bringing down the house. That sounds right. 2003. I like that, man. Holy Ten fuck. points to Jake. Holy shit, Jake. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus. <laughs> take your fucking bow, sir. That was amazing. Oh, my God. I, I, I kind of want to take a break right now. I'm blown away. Um, <laughs> so, basically, this, this movie is about... Um, <laughs> There's there's a group of people that know like they want to they want to they want to break into this mint and uh, take the six hundred million before it gets shredded while this you know uh, category five hurricane is going on because they know like backup from like the government's not going to show up to stop them um, and uh, it's it's I think some of the producers are from like the Fast and Furious movies it's got like B, it's got like B level cast mate you know like cast here like Toby Kebbell playing like a real role not just you know and then you got Ryan Quanton from True Blood and I mean um, I uh, I this movie was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds fun. It's fun, stupid 
action. It starts off with a dumb scene at the beginning with a hurricane and these boys, these two brothers, and the hurricane kills their father. So, of course, like a hurricane, like that, that, like, is like their whole life right there. That sets up their whole fucking life and like, it bookends. There's a, there's a hurricane that kills their father and then it bookends the, the, this movie here. They're affected by another hurricane. I love it. And then like, there's like one son that blames the other son for the father's death during this hurricane. So you've got the, the one son, uh, who grows up to be a meteorologist. That makes, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. Right? And then, the other son, the fuck up, he's like a, he's like a, he's a womanizer. He's a, he, he drinks a lot and he, he, he fixes generators. And that comes into this story because like, um, there's a storm going on that knocks out the generator. So you need a, you need a generator tech, uh, repairman, right? So that's why he Goes comes out saying. Exactly. I can smell a Tupperware from a mile away. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not giving it a tougher. This is a high taste for me. It's a guilty pleasure. Wow. Um, I, I had so much fucking fun with this movie. This is something you need to see in the theater if you'd like, like Sharknado movies or just silly shit like that because of the audio. Like you need to be there for like the audio to hear the wind and, and, um, all that shit and, uh, the bass and all that stuff. It's, it's just, it's fun. It's just a fun, stupid movie. Um, there's the scene where there's like this um federal guy who's been kidnapped um uh and then uh Casey the woman who's played by Maggie Grace she gets away and um there's and then they start beating okay so Casey gets away the woman and then and then this guy who's been kidnapped kidnapped he tells the kidnapper kidnappers like Fuck yeah, Casey, you know, Casey got away. And then they get mad at him for gloating that she got away from them. And then they start beating the shit out of him, right? Okay. Okay, yeah. And, but, but what's hilarious about this scene is that they, they, they're cutting away from that scene to go to an action scene where like characters are like fighting and shooting at each other. But then they keep going back to this guy getting the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> It's you got to watch it play out in the movie. It's really fucking funny when you realize what's going on. Like you realize like there's a really cool action scene, but they keep cutting back to this like guy who just was really excited about his friend getting free and they keep beating the shit out of him. And it's kind of funny. I don't know. Anyway, um there's there's a, was it intentionally meant to be funny? I don't think so. I think that I think that the director was like really trying to like give us something here that he thought was like I thought it was funny though. Like I think it played off like for me it played off like comedy. So uh there's a final action scene, there's these three trucks trying to outrun a hurricane and it's really fun. Um there's there's um these just action scenes that uh I, I think that you need to be in the theater to see it and I it's I had a lot of fun with it. Um there's a really cool vehicle that um Toby Kebbell's character uses called the Dominator. And oh my god, this fucking it's like a tank. It kind of reminds me of like um the the Batmobile from the Nolan films, but um it's a I don't know, maybe it's a little bit beefier, but this thing has like it has spikes that'll shoot into the ground that'll keep it locked into place. And it's fuck. It's a fucking cool vehicle. Like, there's a point in time where it's a car chase scene, and he locks these spikes into the ground, 
and these guys hit him and then they go flying. And I was like, that's, that's cool. There's some fun shit in this movie. This is a fun movie to just kick back, drink a couple beers and watch. Okay. I, I enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a high taste as a guilty pleasure. I'm not saying this is for everyone. And it's, it's not, this is not like a, this is not written to be like an Oscar award winning film. But I had fun with it. I like, I like stupid action movies that are easy to follow sometimes. And this was a one. Yeah, this looked like it was a good time if you were willing to, uh, not get all serious with it. And Toby Kebbell's accent is terrible. He's got like the worst (laughs) fucking like Alabama, Mississippi, whatever the fuck southern accent. It's terrible. Um, so uh, yeah, it's funny cause like, I think Ryan Quanton's Australian and he's doing like a Southern accent. Toby Kebbell's like British or some shit and he's doing like a Southern accent. It's terrible. But man, I had, I had a damn good time watching this fucking movie. That's all that matters, man. You got your money's worth. <laughs> exactly. You guys ready to, uh, you guys got anything more for good pop, bad pop? Are you ready to take a break? Let's break it up. I would like to review uh, 300, specifically the Mystic STD scene, if possible. Oh, you're still on that, man. Oh, my gosh. I thought that you would have, like, want to, like, I don't know, sweep that under the rug. He's owning it. He's owning it. He's taking my advice earlier. He's owning it. So I can't review it? No. Okay. All right. So that means we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with news. I'm not entertaining you, Wally. Your little, you know what I mean? No, not doing that. Could have just told him yes, he was going to review it, and then we could all could have taken their break. And could have just taken the break. <laughs> That's yeah. true. He, he like, why Should have just it? let me go on and just cut it off. Yeah. Why, hey, Brian, <laughs> I listened to the episode, and for some reason, like my whole STD 300 thing was left out. I'd be really curious to see what he would have done had you said yes. Yeah. Oh, would you? Would you, Eric? No, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with news. It is now time for the Pop Culture Leftovers News. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right, Jake, uh, this is kind of directed towards you. I, I don't know Eric's thoughts on this. I don't know Wally's thoughts on this, but I know that you have a uh, uh, an attachment to uh, Ready Player One. I want to talk about the Ready Player One reactions that came out. It was actually screened for those that, sh- that, that attended South by Southwest. Did you hear about this? Yes, yes, I did. All right, what did you think? Like, were you, does it... Are you looking forward to the film more or? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at with it right now. I, I'm very excited to see it, but additional reviews and trailers really haven't done much in increasing my hype that, 
man, it's really hard to explain where I'm at with this movie. I guess I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to get into now with this thing. I, I'm not worried about being book upset. That's not mm-hmm. the issue. I, I'm just worried about it being a cheesy cookie cutter paint by numbers movie. Okay. I, I have, okay. I haven't read the book. Um, you know, and th- I think like I kind of, I'm kind of happy that I haven't, that I get to go into this kind of fresh. I, there's a lot of people that love the book. Okay, but I've also talked to people that are big time detractors of the book that they they feel that it it panders to nostalgia without really I don't know you know and I, I'm not I, I'm not one of I, I've never read it so I can't say but no uh, and I've heard, I've heard the complaints yeah. too so but I but the people I've 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 read some reviews from people that feel like you know that that weren't fans of the book that feel like you know Spielberg actually kind of corrected the course here in the film and so and i mean it's gotten good reviews the, the last time i checked it it was at like an 80 was an 80 percent or 88 percent i can't remember what it was on rotten tomatoes but it seems to be doing quite well the the when they screened it at south by southwest um <laughs> They they had some technical difficulties. I don't know if you heard about that, but they did. Yeah. The audio went yeah. out a couple times. Now the second time the audio went out, the fans didn't really care. They were so much into the movie that they started filling in their own sound effects and noises and stuff like that. That's how much fun they were having with the movie. So pew 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 pew. <laughs> Not so much like that, but yeah, they. Oh doing, no, no, no. But they I were. Felt yeah, like I was there. Yeah, exactly. I, I, feel I like thought I, I was getting it. a sneak preview of Ready Player One. I know. Eric Wade, take over. Um, it's like a young uh, Michael Winslow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a uh, Police Academy reference there. Fuck. You know, I was supposed to see him live. Uh, I had bought tickets and everything to go see him do stand-up, and I got the flu that weekend so fucking bad I couldn't see him. I was so upset. I was so mad. Oh my god! Anyway, yeah, that would have been a great show. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. A lot of people are. They said that the is it the, is it just the fact that it would premiered at South by Southwest that it was like the 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 crowd hype, getting to see it before everybody else, or like what is it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just I, I, I'm a really big fan of the book, and I just I don't know. I just don't know if this is going to be. A good movie or not? I'm just I'm a little bit nervous about I'll, it. I'll read a couple of the here. Here we go. We got Eric John here. He says uh, he saw it at South by Southwest. He says Ready Player One feels like a Spielberg. It feels like Spielberg watched a ton of Luke Besson movies. Uh, that's the director from um, The Fifth Element and uh, more recently uh, Valerian. Um, Luke Besson movies and decided to outdo them. In terms of pure spectacle, it's the most astonishing thing he's ever done. Never underestimate Steve. You think you think Eric's a millennial and he wasn't around when Jurassic Park came out in '93? Like he saw that in like 2002 when he was like, you know, it was two, it was 2002 and uh, he was like six when he saw that shit and he didn't realize like in '93 that this was groundbreaking. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. You hear this kind of stuff. Every Spielberg release, you know, oh, it's his best film since Raiders, blah, 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 blah. It's like, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I'm always waiting to see with all these kind of things with the Spielberg movies. Ramen, Ramen Sedada says Spielberg gets a standing ovation South by Southwest. Standing ovation at South by. 
Uh, Scott Weinberg says, Ready Player One is a whole lot of fun. Those who stuck in, uh, those who are stuck in pre-release hate mode better be prepared to be disappointed. Um, Emily Yoshida says, Well, everyone relax. Ready Player One will be indeed the biggest thing in the world. Uh, Brian Tallarico says, Ready Player One, so, so, so much movie. Sometimes too much, but what I kept thinking over and over again was, my kids are going to love this. It's joyous and thrilling for the people who designed to joy and thrill. Eric, Wally, what are you guys thinking? Like, uh, are you guys excited for Ready Player One? Have you read the book? Are you looking forward to this thing? So I'm looking forward to it. I have not read the book. I'm I'm general big person in not reading books before I see movies unless, you know, it just happens to be a book I read. Um, I will intentionally stay away from those because I don't think generally any movie, there's very few movies that can live up um, to what you get out of, out of reading the book. So um, I, I've also kind of just stayed away because I'm excited to see the movie. Um, but I really, really want to go in fresh to this one. So I, I have, I have stayed away from the South by Southwest stuff so far. Until I started talking about it and then you're like, yeah, oh, thanks, Brian. asshole. Shut the Appreciate fuck up, that. Brian. Ah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because the reactions at South by Southwest are going to kill this movie for you, Eric. You no ruined rhinos. it. No rhinos? <laughs> what did you think? Fuck you, Eric. <laughs> what did you think, Wally? What, what are you thinking about uh, Ready Player One? What are your thoughts? Um, I am a book reader, and this is uh, – I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Uh, this is probably my most anticipated movie. Uh, the Tomato Meter, by the way, has it at 80 percent. 80. Okay. That's a good score. Um, yeah. Uh, I agree with Jake. I'm not worried about how it's going to – you know basically not stay true to the book but do, do you have a runtime on this i was never able to track down a runtime that's what i'm worried about is that they're cramming too much into like an hour 40 you know because I, I really feel like i don't know about about you jake uh i really feel like this needs to be a little bit longer of a movie like a two two and a half hour movie to really do it justice for the characters mm, i don't know i feel like this was a popcorn movie turned into a book at its finest so i still would want to keep it under the two hours okay uh i i'm super excited for this i i'm not really when i'm seeing the animation aspect of, that's what's kind of throwing me up the it, it almost reminds me of a final fantasy type animation yeah it does. and that's that's fine but yeah. I, I don't know and again i could see where all the detractors are coming with this is just nostalgia porn and you know, we're all just it's just jingling keys in front of the viewer. I, I get that, but uh, the the book is more than that. You know, it's got an actual story to it. It's not just he played this video game and found this thing. You know what I mean? It's there, there's some depth to the story, and I'm super excited for it. So, was the Blair Witch movie the other South by Southwest movie that everybody was raving about that sucked? Uh, yes, that. Okay. Well, yeah. Did that come out? No, I, I don't know if that came out at South by. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, that was that was like at a con, and the trailer came out. Or yeah, something like it was that. it was it was at a convention. I think it was actually it might have been San Diego Comic Con, and they and it was not called Blair Witch. Um, it was it was it had a different title altogether. People did not know that they were going in to see a Blair Witch movie. So you know, of course, like you go in and. <laughs> 
That's the thing. Like I, I, after I heard like people were raving about it and it was a Blair Witch movie, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to see this movie. It let me down. It was, it was not that good. I've got a runtime on this. Uh, we're looking at two hours and 18 minutes for Ready Player One. Yeah, that's good. Not, not too much longer than two hours. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And you know, Ben Mendelsohn and Simon Pegg. Oh, I mean, yes. I'm, I'm in right there. Well, as long as they don't Walton Goggins him in Tomb Raider, right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. God. That's true. Mendelssohn's character is a good character in the book, though, for Mendelssohn. Well, Mendelssohn working with Spielberg, I think that that's going to be a nice little – I think that'll be good, right? Yeah. How, Spielberg. Can't. Agreed. Yeah, Mendelssohn's great. I love him. Yeah, Mendelssohn is great. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, Francesca Orsi, HBO senior vice president of drama, spoke at a panel titled The Best of HBO at the INTV conference in Israel on Tuesday and said this about when talking about Game of Thrones spinoffs. Here's her quote. 50 million per season would never fly for what we are trying to do. We are going big. So basically, if you're doing a 10-episode season – at fifty million, that's five million an episode. She's saying that's not big enough. I mean, I agree. That's not. I mean, Star Trek Discovery episodes are between seven to eight million per episode. I say that you have to triple that. You've got to at least give those fifteen mil per episode. Yeah, you can't scale it back after what they've done. So yeah, I agree. And Anybody? that's less than. Season one, I believe, per episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah. You can't you can't go all the way back to square one after we've seen the progression of the dragons and the CGI. Mm-hmm. It just it would unless it's a smaller story with less CGI. You know what I mean? It could be just you know. And I can't. They're working on five stories at once, correct? Yeah, they're I don't doing know. Five different spinoffs. They don't know if they're going to go with all five, but they are working on that many, if not more. And like they're gonna like they're gonna choose from whatever they want. But yeah. I mean, they're they're not done with the Game of Thrones at all. Like we're getting more, we're getting more stories. Yeah, and of course we are. It's a it's HBO's cash cow right now, so mm-hmm. not surprising there, right? Yeah. If George R. R. Martin isn't going to give it to him, they'll make him up themselves. Yeah, here's uh, the Hollywood Reporter actually reported on this. They said, given the phenomenal success of Game of Thrones, Orsi said it feels like corporate malfeasance to not continue it. Noting the network is planning three, four, five spinoffs of the original series. Um, HBO last year announced that it teamed with Max Bornstein from Kong Skull Island, Jane Goldman from Kick-Ass, Brian Helgeland from Legend, and Carly Rae from The Leftovers to develop separate spinoff series based on the fantasy world created by writer George R.R. R. Martin. The move marks the first time that HBO will revisit one of its iconic shows. Like, I know that they're talking about a, um, a Sopranos movie, but, like, that's a movie. It's a prequel movie. It's not a It's not a series, another series. This is the first time HBO is going to revisit... They're going to do a spinoff on, on one of their series. They they can't let go of Game of Thrones. This is like their this is their money maker here. Yeah, makes sense to me. I'm not I'm not surprised. So I I think we've all seen this coming that they would have some kind of prequel or sequel or side story or something. It doesn't sound like uh, it could be all of those, Jake, with three to five yeah. different spinoffs. Like, what are we looking at here? Like, are they going to have two of these going on at the same time or like? You know, it feels like they've hired 
these guys, Max Bornstein from Kong School Island, Jane, Jane Goldman from Kick-Ass, Brian Helgeland from Legend, Carly Rae from The Leftovers, they're all working on different separate spinoff series based in this world that George R.R. R. Martin's created. This is fucking crazy. Yeah, I think they're going about it the right way. I mean, that's, to me, get a bunch of people working on a bunch of ideas, and like yeah. you said, and then you pick the best. Yeah. Well, so I think that I think that's smart. You know, maybe only one of these potentially gets made, and they just yeah. want to cull from five different I, ideas. I know? don't think that that's the plan, though. I think the plan is to have as many of these go to air as possible. I really do. <laughs> I John really Peter. do. I I can't see multiple playing at the same time. I could see once every three months we'll get you know with a month off we'll get a new side story so you're, you know, just, you're, you're hiring max borenstein jane goldman brian helgeland and carly ray just to just to work on something and just then to just abandon that i think that they really want a whole game of thrones expanded universe and different shows i don't think that they're just like i don't think that they're just like we're gonna we're gonna have a battle royale of these writers in a writer's room and we're gonna pick from the best i think no they that's want, not what I, I, no, I, I, I think that they'll have say the Helgeland one air first, you know, and go three months straight. And then when okay. that finishes, they'll have like, you know, say a month off and then another series will air. Okay. You so you're basically, I mean? you're talking the walking dead and then fear the walking dead. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. I get that. But I don't see as a viewer, you know, HBO knows that majority of the viewers are not that smart. So they're probably going to get confused with, you know, if you have multiple game of Thrones stories going on, that it's not the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I but do. I think they can clearly label it. It won't just be called Game of Thrones A and Game of Thrones B. Yeah, that's you true. Know? Fear the walking Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think that is, I mean, what do you think that they're going to go, you know, hundreds of years early? You, you, like, do you have any, any inclination on any of that stuff? I think we're gonna see we're gonna see a lot of like uh, you know old Ned Stark, like young excuse me, young Ned Stark, you know, like that story. Okay, I think mm-hmm. that we're gonna see Robert's Rebellion if, stuff. If you're exactly. looking forward to old Ned Stark, you're gonna be disappointed in the stories. <laughs> Shut the fuck yeah. up! Shut the hell up, Eric. <laughs> Spoilers! Yeah. Spoilers! Oh, sorry. Um, I don't know if they're gonna do like the Duncan Egg stuff, you know, or the but, Hedge Knight. Yeah. But I think that we're going to definitely get young Ned. I think that we're going to be hearing about in the, in the news here within the next, you know, year, couple years, we're going to have, they're going to have an article, you know, uh, you know, deadline reports that so and so has been cast as nut, young Ned Stark. You know, I think that we're going to get that story. I think that that's definitely going to happen. As far like, as far as like the other stories, I don't know if they're going to go into the future. It, it all depends on like what happens with, uh, you know, Daenerys and Jon Snow. Are they going to have a child? Like uh, if they, you know, or it's like, are, are they going to start off season eight with like Daenerys, one of Gen- Daenerys and Jon Snow getting killed at the beginning of that season? Like I, I don't, they could do that. That You never know with this fucking show. Like people. Yeah, that is true. That is true. People die all the time on Game of Thrones. So like, I, I feel like if they stick around, if both of those characters survives or if Jon Snow gets her pregnant and, and she has offspring, that might be something that they explore later on down the road. I, I don't know, man. Your guess is as good as mine. Do you guys have any idea of like what they could explore? Jake, you're, you're 
a way bigger fan of Game of Thrones than even I am. I, I love this series, but you follow it a lot more. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really know. I think you're absolutely correct. It's hard to tell. If they're going to go to the future, it's really hard to pontificate about that without yeah. knowing how the initial series ends. Yeah. But if they're going to go into the past, I it's hard. I think a lot of people think they're going to do the Roberts Rebellion stuff. Um, I think it's obviously you're going to pull in viewers if you have a character that they can connect with. So I don't think you're far off in thinking that they could do the young Ned Stark stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I Ned I Stark a little bit of more like Dead Stark, right? Dead Eric Stark. Wade. I, hope they give it a uh, I see of, what you did there. <laughs> I hope they give it a little bit of breathing room, though. Um, you know, right now even we're having to wait a couple years between seasons. I don't want yeah. uh, the show to end and then two weeks later I'm watching the new show. I yeah, do want a yeah. little bit of breathing room. Maybe maybe I was getting a little – yeah, I mean I understand that they have like four different creators working on stuff right now. And I mean HBO does have the money to do that. So I – I get it. Like, I can't see four Game of Thrones shows running at the same time or like even, you know, like you finish one and like there's like another one. Like, you know, like that, that's even though Game of Thrones are like 10 episodes a season, that's that's basically four, if, you, if you did four shows, that's 40 weeks of Game of Thrones. But I mean, to be quite honest with you, man, it's a lot of subscriptions to HBO. I mean, mm. and, and you're trying to compete with Netflix and Game of Thrones is a proven thing for them. But you you also don't want to burn people out on it either. So it's one of those things where like I still watch Game of Thrones, uh, excuse me, Walking Dead just because I've been watching it for, you know, seven, eight seasons now. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of like what the direction Scott Gimple's taken that series in. Um, I especially hate what happened a couple episodes ago. But, um, and I hate that. I think Scott Gimple, <laughs> anyway, I, I'm not going to get into that. But, um, I won't, I won't watch Fear the Walking Dead after the first season because I don't want to, I, I don't feel like I want to get, I, I don't want to trap myself into like where I am now with the Walking Dead seven, eight seasons in and seeing Scott Gimple fuck up characters that I love. Like, I love Carol. I love Daryl. You know, I, I, you know, there's some characters that I really love in The Walking Dead, and I feel like Scott Gimple is just like, he's like the, you know, the, the kid in Toy Story, the next door neighbor, the, yeah, Sid. Sid. Mm-hmm. He's basically Sid. He got a hold of these characters that I love, and he's like ripping their heads off and putting them on different bodies, and they're acting the way that they shouldn't act. And, um, that's what's going to be hard about this is like seeing like different people take over different parts of the Game of Thrones universe and I and um I just don't want to see this get fucked up. I don't want to see them fuck up the great name of Game of Thrones and what we've liked about loved about the this series. Interesting the interesting thing about what you were saying, Brian, is that fear may be the better of the two shows right now. What fear might be the better of the two shows? Yeah, yeah. That see, I've heard I've heard conflicting reports on that. I listen to a uh, Walking Dead podcast. I don't listen to their fear stuff, but I listen to their. They hate fear, and and they hate the third season. And I, it took. I, I actually liked the third season. Okay. I struggled with season one. Season two was good, not great. I really hate some of the characters, but by season three, I really thought they found their stride and they ended very strong. All right, so. It's yeah. That's, it's, that's my take on it. It's subjective. Yeah, I get it. I, mean, I, I have no, I, I have no, no opinion because I, I draw. I, I finished the first season. I was like, I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. 
So you know, if you just held on a little bit longer, hold on for one more day. Are you, are you going Wilson Phillips on me now, Eric? Wait, <laughs> I'm just telling you, if you a couple more episodes and you you would have been hooked. Sounds reminiscent of Agents of Shield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just trying to convince him to get back in Agents of Shield. All right. Actually, I just want to. I want to. I want to stop the podcast and listen to some old Wilson Phillips right now. All right. I'm in. Nice. Yeah. Wilson Phillips, man. What? What? Like what? Like what? A collaboration there. Am I right? You know. Uh, oh yeah, the, the, destined to be together. Absolutely. That was like. What, aren't they like the offspring of like super rock stars? You had like Beach the Boys. Beach Boys, yeah. Yeah, Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson. Yeah, this and is, I don't know who so, Phillips. Something, something Phillips. Something Phillips. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Oh my gosh, I don't know. That reminds me of that 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 final scene in Bridesmaids when they're singing Wilson Phillips. That shit's fucking hilarious. By the way, anyway. Guilt, Wilson Phillips is one of my guilty pleasures, man. I would I would never admit it back in the in the early nineties that I enjoyed them, but I will now. I will do it now. I don't give a shit. I like me some Wilson Phillips. <laughs> I also like me some Whitney Houston. So suck my dick. I don't give a shit. Yeah, nothing nothing wrong with any. No of that. shame. There's no shame. And I love Billy Joel. So kiss my we'll ass. Agree to disagree that there's no shame. <laughs> You know, fuck you, you rhino son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> guys, let's uh, let's jump into some Marvel news. Uh, I'll play half the, the the Marvel bumper. There we go. Half the bumper. Yeah, you got it. Marvel. There you go. Yeah, you got you got you got all you're gonna get. Hey guys, I want to talk about Venom movie news. Um, Jake, I, I, I'm gonna ask you, and I'm you know Wally, I'll, Eric, I guess I'll trust you with this as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah, the Venom film. It's set within. Hold on, guys. Is it set within the same universe as the MCU? Uh, yes. No. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right. The reason I'm bringing this up, uh, guys, and, and try to stay with me here. I, I, I'm a little confused as well, okay? I'll get to my point of confusion here in a moment. But eight months ago, okay, let's break this down. Let's, 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 let's take the journey of Venom and the MCU and where the fuck they are with this movie and if it fits into the Marvel Cinematic Universe or not. Eight months ago, Amy Pascal from Sony was quoted as saying, here's what we're doing. All these characters are part of the Marvel comic book universe. In that universe, they are related to each other. Kevin Feige makes characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. These characters are separate, except for Spidey, who belongs in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is why he's there. Okay? So, at that point in time, she's she's basically, she's gone offspring. She's saying, you gotta keep them separated. <laughs> but... Okay. For now. For now, John Watts, the director of Spider-Man Homecoming, in March of 2017, he said, quote, not connected to the Marvel world. So he's talking about, he's talking about the Venom movie not being connected to the Marvel world. Then Kevin Feige, the maestro of the fucking MCU, comes out and says, for now, there is no plan for Venom in the MCU. It's a Sony project. Okay? So then, in June, 
before the release of Spider-Man Homecoming, Amy Pascal was sitting down with Kevin Feige and said the Venom and Black Cat and Silver Saber films will be adjunct to the MCU. So it sounded like what she was saying is like Iron Man and Captain America wouldn't show up in those films. Venom, you know, Black Cat and Silver Sable, which I think they've tabled that movie for now, but like Iron Man and Captain America would not show up in those films because they are with, you know, Marvel Studios, but Spider-Man could. Spider-Man could show up in those films. And then after she said this, Feige quickly said, right now, Spidey is in the MCU. It's just Spidey. So he's basically saying, it's just Spider-Man in the MCU. None of those other, other characters are in the MCU. And then Pascal finished up that interview saying, Venom is a character that is closely associated with Spider-Man. She observed, uh, and then she said, there may be some day where you see them together you never know. So that interview was awkward for for Kevin. Like, there's a power struggle here. Kevin has basically 100% control of the MCU, and he's done a great job, in my opinion, shepherding in characters, you know, making these films, and then building a fan base around them. And he wanted Spider-Man to be a part of this universe. And if it was up to him, from the sounds of it, it's like Spider-Man... He wants him in the universe, but he's not sure. He he doesn't want Venom to be a part of it at this point in time. Like when they did that interview, because he doesn't he doesn't know what Sony's doing with the character, so he doesn't want to be like, yeah, Venom might fucking show up in one of my movies. He's trying. Yeah, and then it's a big pile of dung. Exactly, because he doesn't know. Now pa- Pascal. She's basically, with her statement, she's saying that we could see them together, basically meaning that she she owns Venom and Spider-Man, and she can do what she wants in her films. So basically she's saying, I can throw Tom Holland into my film, my Venom film, if I want to. And then that Tom Holland is also in the MCU. So if Tom Holland shows up in my Venom film, that means that Venom is connected to the MCU. I can do that because I'm Amy Pascal. Right? Yeah. Can you, is there a power, there's a little bit of a power struggle in these interviews. Cause Amy, like even though Kevin Feige owns the MCU, like he controls that universe, as soon as he gave Spider-Man access to be in the MCU, but Sony still has control of that character. Sony can still kind of like hold the hold Kevin Feige over a barrel with this, right? Yeah, it's a weird situation, um, and, and I can't blame the Sony side. I mean, they're trying to yes. make as much money as they can too. It's yeah. unfortunate if they do it by just aping off of you know what marvel's trying to do for them but if they're making quality movies over there too then all the power to them okay so this i know i've gone on a lot a a lot about this like where brian where are you going with this i'm getting to it asshole has kevin feige now changed his mind on how he views the venom film i don't know if he's if he's seen a rough cut I don't, I, I'm speculating, guys. I'm asking questions. I'm not 100%. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because the actress Sope Aluko has been cast in a mystery role for Venom, according to Deadline. She played a role in last month's Black Panther film. She was the shaman in that movie. So she was the woman 
in Black Panther that was harvesting and taking care of the heart-shaped herb that was um, – she was picked up by Killmonger. He choked her and threatened her and told her that she would burn the heart-shaped herb. So that actress that played that role in Black Panther has now been cast in a mystery role in the Venom film. So there are three ways to explain this. Number one, Feige has seen a cut of the film of Venom, and he loves it, and he's all in. He's like, all right, um, I'm going to give you a Black Panther character in Venom. And, like, they signed on to this, and this woman has now left Wakanda. And, you know, Wakanda is, like, known for their science and shit. And, like, this woman, like, maybe, like, they brought her in there. I don't know. Number two, she's playing an all-new character to the universe. She's a brand new character, same actress, but playing a completely different character. And Mark, like Kevin Feige has no problem with it because like she wasn't a big role in the Black Panther. Sony has no problem with it. They want her in this role. Um, okay. But I don't know. I, fans are going to notice this, Jake. Fans are going to notice this, that this actress is being cast in this film. Number three. Now you've already noticed. Yeah, I've already noticed. Many fans have already noticed that she's been cast and that she's already been in the Black Panther movie. Okay, so it's like um, I don't know. The only other, the only other, the only other explanation is that she's she's got a twin or a doppelganger. That's ridiculous. So I'm not even. I'm ruling that out. So basically, um, it's one of those two things. She's either a new character or she's showing up. As her character from as the shaman, her unnamed character from Black Panther in the Venom movie, and this definitely connects those two universes. Here's my beef with that. Let's say your theory's right that Kevin saw the movie and he's all in. He loved it. You think he'd want to make a bigger impact and give them a little bit something more special to make the connection than than that, right? Yeah, well, let's get to that. John Schnepp, the director for The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened, said on a podcast recently, um, quote, Tom Holland was on set filming scenes on Venom for at least two days as Peter Parker. I'm not saying that Spider-Man is in the film. When I say that Tom Holland Spider-Man is in the film, I'm saying Peter Parker is in the film. This is a cameo. Now, this would not be up to Kevin because Sony owns... Tom basically Sony owns Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Um, so they can throw him in the movie if they want to. But John Schnapp, apparently he's saying he has the inside track here. He says that Tom Holland was on set for Venom filming scenes as Peter Parker, not Spider-Man, but he was on set. So, I mean, if you're asking for like a bigger character, that's definitely it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily, because of the confusion, connect Venom to the entire MCU. No, 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 no. That's why I'm going back to this actress, Sope Aluko, who played the shaman in Black Panther, also getting a mystery role in Venom. That's hey, I you know I'm not I'm not like planting my flag on like like what like what this is. I don't know, man. I'm just throwing. I'm just I'm showing you guys like what I know. I've gone over what the statements were in the past. It's up to you guys to make your determination as to like is she going to be playing the shaman from Black Panther, who's now. Um, you know, years later, now she's in, uh, you know, we know that, uh, Black Panther at the end of that movie says, oh, we're going to have like a science outreach center. Okay. Um, we've seen in the Venom trailer, 
uh, scientists looking at the uh, – is she part of the science outreach? Did they – did they – you know, did they – has she relocated from Wakanda? I'm not saying this I'm, – I'm, I'm speculating. Right? No, it's interesting speculation. I, it's just hard for my brain to go there because I just – I don't know. I just see it being a bigger – I don't know. It seems like it would be too late to insert that in and it's not that big of a thing like that it would really knock everyone's socks off. I mean the the you know the botanist from Black Panther shows up in the Venom movie. <laughs> I mean, what percentage of viewers would even notice that it's the same person? Uh, Is she going to say, not, "Hey, one hundred percent"? Okay, well, I guess throw her in there. Three hundred percent. Yeah, I was thinking that too. It's like, how does she even introduce herself so you even know what is happening? Do you think that there's like, a I, chance that after she got choked by? Killmonger, she kind of liked that sensation. Yeah, and then she got into that. And, yeah, and she like after that, she kind of like in, in her own head, she wouldn't admit it to anybody. But instead of calling him Killmonger, she called him Thrillmonger, and then like that was like her thing. Like she was seeking that out after that movie. Like she really got into like that. Uh, I don't know, like like autoerotic asphyxiation, but like she really wanted to be choked. While things were no, happening. I've not seen this movie four times like you. I do not have the deep insight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, guys, do you like, I, sometimes I hate being in my position bringing these stories up because it's like, I don't, I'm not firmly believing, like, I, I'm not poo pooing you. Yeah. I, I know I'm not poo pooing yeah. you. Yeah. I'm just, I'm having a hard time biting this. Sure. I think it's a little bit of um, well-wishing. Can we – okay. Kenneth Choi. Kenneth, the actor Kenneth Choi, he played um, in the Captain America, the first Avenger. He played um, one of the Howling Commandos, Kenneth Choi. But in Spider-Man Homecoming, he played the principal who was like the descendant of like the Howling Commando character. Okay? He was like the grand, great-grandson, Right. So okay. this wouldn't be the first time that an actor has played a different role in the MCU, correct? Yeah, that's true. But again, I didn't even really know that until you just said it. Sure. So, it, you know, it had no impact. And that, that's the thing. Like this type of move, like if all of a sudden you're wowing at the point is to go, oh, my gosh, Venom is connected to the MCU. I don't see this being yeah. the way they do that. There could be like an inner monologue where she sits there and says, I wonder if they realize I was the botanist to black people. No, I think she's going to turn to one of the characters like Riz Ahmed and say, will you choke me? <laughs> and, we'll, and you'll go, oh. <laughs> ah, she likes it. Oh, my gosh. She really does like it. Oh, my gosh. She's into and, that and now. It, this is all connected to the MCU. This is all connected <laughs> to the MCU. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's all connected. Yeah. She's taken a really weird sexual turn in her late 40s, 50s, or whatever the fuck. Anyway. Um, let's see here. Uh, that's, that's all I got for that. I, I don't know. Wally, did you have any, I, are you buying it? You, you're saying, are you, are you selling that shit? I'm selling the hell out of that. I don't think she, like I said, I just don't see the, why are they muddying you're, the waters then? Like, why are they, it's no why does Sony have to thing, do that though? then? Oh, we've got to get Sophia Luco in this role. We got to get her in there. I mean, we don't even know, though. Did they seek her out? It might, she might have just applied for the role. Yeah, I guess. I, I, why do you, you got to do that to fans, though? 
Come on. That's bullshit. That's no, bullshit. It's not bullshit. It's bullshit. You need to settle down. <laughs> no, it's it's bullshit, man. Because like you do that, you tease us. You tease us. Now we're sitting here like, is it all connected? <laughs> you know, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, like if they were to cast a completely different actress, we wouldn't be like, you know, oh my gosh, is she playing the shaman from fucking Black Panther? <laughs> Are they one in the same? Are they one in the same? <laughs> it's bullshit, man. Just knock off the fucking confusion, Amy. Like, first thing you're saying is they're not connected. Now you're saying they're fucking, they could be connected. And now you're just, now you're just casting whoever the fuck you want to. Why don't you cast, like, Chris Evans in a role? You can't, <laughs> a mystery, a mystery role for Chris Evans. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that would actually have some meat to it, though, if that's the story. Yeah. Chris Evans actually matters in the MCU. Are you saying the shaman from Black Panther does not matter? <laughs> I'm saying all shamans matter. Oh, Shaman lives okay. matter. Okay, now you're making me look like a bad person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're making me look like some kind of shaman hater. <laughs> dude, dude, off air, that's all J- it's, it's all shaman hate, man. Yeah, fuck shaman this, yeah. fuck shaman that. Dude, Jake was like, you know what? I don't even I don't even wipe my ass with Charmin because it sounds close to that fucking word. <laughs> <laughs> when I play Hearthstone, I won't even pick the Shaman class. <laughs> no, you won't. Uh, uh, let's talk about some Deadpool two. Uh, we got this covered. Had an article titled "Deadpool two testing very poorly." Fox stunned by audience reaction. So the article then goes on to talk about uh, test screenings for the film coming out May 18th. And it says, before we go any further, we advise taking this all with a grain of salt, as test screenings aren't always indicative of how final products will turn out. But regardless, here's what we're hearing. It all began when blogger Jeremy Conrad took to Twitter to post the following update. Uh, Fox screened Deadpool 2 tonight. Um, and yikes. First reaction wasn't what I was expecting to hear. Uh, not stopping there, he also went on to say that it was 30 minutes longer than the first one, the plot is lacking, and that the character of Vanessa is wasted. Unsurprisingly, Fox threatened legal action against him if he didn't remove his tweets, and so he did. Um, but thankfully, the studio wasn't able to get everyone. Another Twitter user, Mike Kalinowski, also took to the social media platform, revealing that Deadpool 2 is testing really poorly. They are stunned with the screening audiences, uh, are saying, I know people don't say much about it, but you cannot underestimate Tim Miller's contribution to getting Deadpool made. He was half of the equation. So Tim Miller, the original director of Deadpool, is what he's talking about. Elsewhere, Robert Burnett also chimed in on Twitter saying, from my perspective, with what I've heard, they've made a huge Alien 3 blunder with the story. Ouch. And it only gets worse as few other now deleted tweets from various users also pointed out to the same issues. So there's been an update to this story, but I want to talk about this. These are, I haven't seen these tweets. Um, sounds like Fox wanted them deleted. So it's like, I would, I wish I would have been able to see these tweets. That would, you know what I mean? That would have, that would have added a little bit more validity to it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I find it weird that Fox would demand tweets like that be removed. Um, it's one thing if you're showing footage that they don't want released yet, but I, 
to attack mm. someone's opinion like that and forcefully get it removed. I don't know. Well, it's it's one of those things like if if, if people are going to a pre-screening, if the studio has them sign an NDA, they might not want them to even give their thoughts on it. Like I know from like, you know, like we get we get to we get access to watch these screeners. We I'm embargoed from giving my like from I'm embargoed from giving out plot details, but I'm not really embargoed from giving out like if I enjoyed it or not, you know? So it's it's weird. Like is, was it one of those things where they they were giving out plot details? I don't know. It doesn't sound like it. It just sounds like they said like I didn't like it. Yeah, Alien 3 Blunder, so Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um is it like it but from these statements it sounds like, you know, the director switch like we go from Tim Miller who did the first film to David Leitch, you know, one of the John Wick co-directors is it that big of a is it the is it the back that big of a deal like that's going to ruin this film i didn't think so at first jake and now now i don't know it's well i mean unfortunately i think even a bad movie is going to make money fist over fist i mean it's you know deadpool is going to make its money man yeah even if it's not good it's still going to everyone's going to go see it yeah but that, um, but that that's also going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths when it comes time to for Deadpool 3 right oh and even, and, right, and before that X-Force X-Force yeah i want to oh god i want to talk about that i read an article on Forbes on Deadpool and it really made a lot of sense jake about it, it's it's an article from Scott Mendelson. It's titled "Marketing Deadpool 2 as a Comedy Sequel is a Calculated Risk." I I, I really thought that this was a a very well written article um, from Scott Mendelson. And the article basically it goes on to it goes on to like talk about like if the film plays like a superhero sequel, then the sky is the limit for this movie. They it went on to say superhero sequels can sometimes make more than the predecessor. Um, the article says, if it plays out like a well-liked comic book superhero sequel to a well-liked predecessor with at least a few added value elements like Josh Brolin's Cable and Zazie Beetz Domino, then the odds are in favor of either keeping most of its audience or going up a bit. It may just do the less domestic, more overseas thing, especially if it sneaks into China this time, which, guys, uh, Deadpool – it's getting a China release like within the next couple of weeks, like literally just now for the yeah, first time. It took a lot of work to get yeah. it ready. A lot of editing. Okay. So this article later on, it says um, if it plays out like a conventional comedy sequel, that is a different story. There are few big comedy hits that spawned bigger comedy hit sequels like Meet the Fockers, Rush Hour 2, 22 Jump Street, or The Hangover Part 2. So those are those are comedy sequels that did better than their predecessors. Most comedy sequels do not make as much money. So um, I thought that this was a really smart, well-written article, basically saying like if the sequel is um, if it plays out like a like a comic book superhero sequel, and they add some interesting story elements and characters like you know Cable and Domino, that the sky is the limit. But if it's played out like a like just like a like a traditional comedy most yeah, comedy if it's, sequels, the, if it's the same jokes over yes. and over again ghost i mean i ghostbusters 2 i know it did well and i know like you know you know some of these movies did well but like 
you know, they're not, they're not beloved like the first movie. And most of them don't make that much money as they, as the, the original did. I mean, they point out like Meet the Fockers, Rush Hour 2, 22 Jump Street and Hangover Part 2 made more money. But most don't. And, and I'll tell you like most of those sequels that I just read aren't like Hangover Part 2 is garbage in my opinion. And yeah, I agree. I liked Rush Hour 2 and I liked 22 Jump Street, but I don't know if they're superior to the originals. They're, they're good. But I thought yeah, that Rush was a, Hour Two is definitely not superior. I thought that was a smart article. Yeah, it is a smart article. Deadpool is very genre bending when it comes yeah. to how it made its money, so it's interesting to think of it like that as a comedy sequel yeah. rather than a blockbuster comic book movie sequel. Well, this was my worry two weeks ago when we talked with uh, Joe Stark about the X Force film. Like, I didn't want it to be just a Deadpool sequel, like a, like Deadpool two point five or whatever the fuck. Yeah, you don't want it to run dry. And, you know, I've been worried about the Deadpool sequel since the beginning. I mean, that it really lightning in a bottle, that first Deadpool movie. I, it just seems like a really tall feat to uh, do just as good or better. OK, well, let me give you the let me give you the update on this. There was a there was a article that came out the same day from comicbookmovie.com and it was titled Deadpool 2 is reportedly testing just fine. But there may be something in the sequel which upsets fans. Um so of course, like if you're a Deadpool fan, this is the article that you want to believe. I, I get that. I, I'm going to get you guys' thoughts on the, everything as uh, once I read this. But the article says earlier today we heard that the first test screenings of Deadpool two had been something of a disaster, and that significant reshoots were set to take place as a result. Well, it's now been made clear that the information was inaccurate, and the source was far from reliable. While a number of other reporters and outlets have also weighed in to clear things up, as a result, fans can seemingly stop worrying. Well, mostly, according to Marvel Studios News, they've heard multiple accounts from people who who have attended a Deadpool 2 test screening who loved what they saw, while Collider uh, Steve Weintraub points out that the scores from these screenings are high and each managed to do over 90 um, here's what Steve Weintraub, Weintraub from Collider said. He said, have seen a completely untrue report of Deadpool 2 testing poorly. From what I have heard, the first two test screenings both scored over 90, with the second one scoring close to top mark. I've also spoken to people that saw it. I've said it's excellent. Everyone said, excuse me, everyone said it's excellent. Fans will love. Um, so... Marvel Studio News, meanwhile, notes that the only explanation they can come up with for why some fans in attendance have slated Deadpool 2 um, is because they uh, that they didn't like it is because they've heard something in the movie which sounded rather brilliant but may bother some fans. They don't divulge more details because it would be considered a big spoiler, but it's similar to Iron Man 3's Mandarin twist in terms of how controversial it could end up being. It's said that it doesn't actually relate to someone's identity. So. Cable's delusional and he's not really from the future. No. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I read this article too and I found that very fascinating that it it possibly is basically just this thing that's going to make nerds upset is why people may be spreading these rumors. That, that's fascinating. That kind of makes me more excited, that news, though. Eric, uh, this is your most anticipated comic book movie of the year, if not movie of the year. What are you thinking about what you're hearing here? 
You know, I it doesn't really change anything for me. I mean, the, the fact is, is um, you know, they said the same things about Justice League going in, and and those, I mean, obviously were were way off off the mark. Mm-hmm. Um, no, honestly, in all seriousness, I think I'm not that worried about it. I I I do have concerns about the. This is the first time I've heard thoughts along the lines of it being, you know, will it be more of a comic mm. follow up and than a, than a superhero movie? And that's yeah. that's an interesting notion because it's true. How many comic? How many comedies have you seen where the second one lived up to the first one when the first one was yeah. great? It's not not that many. Uh, I. I'm sure they're out there, but like I can't like Kenny Check two. No, not not really. Um, so I don't I don't know. I don't I, it, that worries me a little bit. But bottom line, I'm still going to go see it. I'm going to expect great things and just hope it doesn't disappoint. There, you know, a lot of people took the the original report and they were like, okay, yeah, this this movie's destined to fail because there's these these reshoots that are happening with Deadpool too. Like that's that's after these screenings, like these people saying that they didn't enjoy the film, there's all these reshoots that are happening with Deadpool Deadpool 2. So what's funny is that okay, what I'm hearing about these reshoots is both crowds that saw the screenings said that they love Josh Brolin, this cable Josh Brolin, what a fucking summer for this asshole. Mm-hmm. Fucking, he's going to be Cable mm-hmm. in Deadpool 2. He's going to be uh, Thanos in Avengers Infinity War. And he's coming back in Sicario 2, Soldado. It's like three fucking summer movies. This guy's, this 2018, this guy's going to be fucking uh, mopping up, I think, this year. Anyway, uh, crowds, they love Domino, but they said that they wanted to see more of both characters in the movie. So um, this is not uh, – I mean this is not bad things. They, like the, the, they loved Cable. They loved Domino. They loved these characters. They want to see more. So everyone in the audience, when they were giving notes, is that like what they wanted. They wanted more Domino. They wanted more Cable. So the studio was like, okay – that's what we'll give you. That's that we're going to give you. We're going to add more of these characters into these reshoots. So, like, what happened was basically like uh, back in February, they did additional photography where they added Cable, they added um, more Domino, and there was no like panic. Like nobody was freaking out about it. Like this was not like oh my god. They they. they they did these test screenings like month, like, you know, back in February and they're starting to do this now. Like people were concerned that the reshoots, um, no, oh, okay. People were concerned that the reshoots were done recently. Like these, these were apparently they were doing, they were done months ago, not, not in February. So these reports came out in February and people were thinking like the reshoots were done then. Um, and they were actually done way sooner. So it's nothing to, to really, be concerned about, I guess. Um, Brolin had mentioned that they were shooting in snowy Vancouver, and when these when these reports came out, and apparently for like people that live in Vancouver, it hadn't been snowing in Vancouver for a while. So that kind of confirms that 
when they were shooting in Vancouver, which all the shooting happened in Vancouver, like those reshoots happened back when it was snowing and, and there was no snowing going on in Vancouver in February. So, so that's just all bullshit speculation then. Yeah. From what I'm, I, I mean, if I had to lean towards like one side, I think that the initial report of like failing with test audiences is, is mostly bullshit. Like some people might not be happy with like some of the decisions that were made in the film, but like I would go with like the majority of people watching it and really enjoying it. Yeah. I, I, that's where I'm at with it too. So I, I find it hard to believe that it's something so alarming that that many people are off put by it. Yeah. Wally, you got any thoughts here, chief? I'm pretty much with Jake um, and Eric that it doesn't really sway me too much. This kind of goes into the folder of, uh, you know, the Venom thing where it's, you know, is it this or is it that? Is it, you know, is Ben Affleck leaving? Is he staying? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I, they have my money. I'm going. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I don't know. People people seem to nerd rage about just about anything these days. So I, I don't really let that affect my opinion. Breaking news. Uh, actress Sope Aluke, who played the shaman, <laughs> Black Panther has now been cast in the Deadpool 2 film and reshoots now. Um, let's move on into... I still don't think that means it's connected to the MCU. She's just a popular actress. She's very popular. Yeah. All right, let's move on into DC News and wrap this bitch up. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. All right, really what all I want to talk about here in uh, DC News is uh, Ava DuVernay has... uh, Last week I mentioned she had no interest in doing a Star Wars film, but apparently she is interested in doing a New Gods film for Warner Brothers. So we last week we reviewed A Wrinkle in Time, um, that's a movie that she did, and uh, she did Selma a couple years ago. Uh, this news comes from Deadline. She's closing a deal with Warner Brothers and DC to direct a big-budget screen adaptation of The New Gods, the creation of revered comic book imp- uh, impresario Jack Kirby. Uh, the studio has set Cario Salem uh, from Chasing Mavericks as the writer. He'll craft the narrative and work closely with DuVernay. Um, she unveiled a new God's connection late last year when she responded to a question on social media on who her favorite superhero is. Big Barda. Many reasons, was her reply. Um, Big Barda is one of the new gods and the wife of Mr. Miracle, also a Kirby creation. She's also stronger than her husband. She was born on Apocalypse. Um... I want to talk about this a little bit. Um, Eric, I'm going to start with you. How do you, how do you feel about, okay. I don't, have you seen anything Ava DuVernay's done and are you familiar with the new gods or are you excited about this at all? So I haven't seen anything she's done. Um, I am familiar with the new gods all from justice league and justice league unlimited. And, uh, did you want Superman, Batman apocalypse? You've seen that. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then Superman, the animated series. I, I don't know how much of those you guys watch, but that there was a lot of apocalypse, a lot of big Barda stuff um, in, in all of that. Big Barda was actually a, a, a recurring character quite a bit. So I like him. I mean, I, I can't say that I'm super knowledgeable about 
that world um, be I, I'm much more knowledgeable about apocalypse than the new gods themselves. So I, I'm interested to see what they do with it. I, I can't say I, I mean, bottom line, if, if Warner brothers name is on it, I'm going to question how, you know, wh- how good it can be <laughs> in, 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 until we see them get more consistent in producing quality movies. I think that uh, th- this is, this is a clear indication though, to me that they've, Pump the brakes on Justice League 2 coming out soon and that they're going to set up an actual story for Darkseid, right? Yes. Sure. Sure. No, come on. I, I, I'm being serious here. It feels I, like I, – I, 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 I took you seriously. I, I completely agree. Um, why else would you do this? Right. Um, the only thing confusing to me is – I. With her not wanting to do Star Wars, I kind of thought it was because she just didn't want to have like be part of like multiple movies that she wasn't making. But that's right. almost exactly what you're asking her to do here, like being the setup for Dark Side. I it's I think the one difference is though is she potentially she could have more creative freedom under Warner Brothers than she ever would, you know, in the Star Wars universe. Well, I, it, okay. For the for me, it sounds like she's more of a fan of like the character of Big Barda, you know. Yeah, and that's and that's great. I I, I will see this. I, I I'm not. I I can't say I'm out for it or against it until I start seeing Warner Brothers leave their directors alone and come out with some good stuff. I mean, yeah. we've also. I mean, right now we've still got a Joker origin story coming, and yeah. I mean, there's. It's just a shit show over there, and until they seem to get their shit together, I'm just going to be lukewarm on announcements like this. Dude, I, I totally understand. It's one of those things where, like, I, you know, I've I've seen them come out with quite a few movies now. I've only been a fan of two, um, and and but I I'm trying to look at like I don't know if this is going to be a good movie or not, but like I think like the only thing that this is telling me is that they're serious about not just like like they learn their lesson like okay we had our first justice league movie it didn't go over the way that we wanted to we were like dead set on like bringing in steppenwolf and then like that shepherding in like dark side i feel like they're pumping the brakes a little bit here like they're pumping the brakes on like doing that and that they're really wanting if they're gonna bring dark side into this universe which is not a hundred percent if new gods is even going to be connected with like the main dceu but like if they are going to do it like they're going about it and trying to set up this this character the right way and i i i i think like they they could have something here they really could have something here they've got a really good talented director in my opinion um and i think that there's a this, this is an interesting enough story to tell i don't think that kirby was like the best storyteller to be quite honest with you oh but, god no but I, I, you know, and he, this was some wild shit that he was bringing up back in like, you know, when, when he left Marvel and was doing the new oh, gods. You, and, you know, he was dropping acid when he wrote these yeah, stories. Absolutely. But I think there's, it's cool. It's a cool, if, if you could, if you can have somebody make some sense of this shit, it's a real, it's kind of a cool story. You've got like, basically you've got, uh, you've got f- the first world, which was like, uh, you know, the, the original gods, the old gods, and then they created, you know, like, like, um, I th- I'm trying to remember, like they created like Odin and, and Loki and, and Thor and like those gods. And then they 
basically had Ragnarok. Like Thor, understand people that Thor, those characters are, are, are public domain. You can write a Thor story if you want to, but you can't write the Thor from Marvel. You've got to write, a, 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 you know, like the Norse god Thor. You can't bring Iron Man into your story and shit, okay? But Thor is a public domain character as far as I know. Um, and, um, so basically then, then that was second world. And then, then like, you know, that world got destroyed by Ragnarok and then they, it got to fourth world, which was what we have now. And then there's, is it's new Genesis. So you have, um, I'm trying to remember it was, um, the deal that they worked out was dark side. They did like a swap of their children. So dark side sent his son, Orion to New Genesis and Mr. Miracle was sent to live with Darkseid. And so it was basically a swap of these sons to live with these other world, with these other world leaders. And so like Mr. Miracle lived under Darkseid's reign and he lived like as like a slave. And, um, and then of course, like Orion who was born of like pure evil, um, kind of like uh he still had like that anger with him in him as he was growing up but he kind of like he kind of squashed that and became kind of like a hero so it's a it's a really cool story i think like if they if they if they introduce like mr miracle and then mr miracle and like his relationship with um big barda she was like uh um the the leader of thanos's army the the the, the furies and um and she was she was stronger than her husband mr miracle i think it's a cool story if 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 you can pull this off it's just um yeah the framework yeah. the framework for the, is there for a a solid story if told right that's yeah. for sure yeah it's a story about like replacing the old gods with new gods and sh- and showing this new mythology and i think like if they do it right if they can set up dark side as a really cool villain and everything then maybe they might have something for Justice League too if they can get these characters right. If like if like the the Flash directors can come in and give us a great Flash movie. If you know if Patty Jenkins comes back and lightning strikes twice and we get a great fucking Wonder Woman too. Um, you know, and I they're not going to be fucking filming the Batman movie until I think in sometime in 2019. So and who knows who's going to be Batman by that time? So hey, I, I need a break real quick. Oh yeah, go ahead, Jake. All right, we're back. We took a little quick pause there. You guys didn't know because uh, that's the that's the uh, the magic of podcasting. Jake has left us, but uh, that's all we really have to talk about. Uh, did we? Do you guys have any final thoughts about the new gods? I know Wally. We talked about this a little bit before. This is like you you you're not familiar with the the new gods. No, but no, yeah. But it sounds interesting. Yeah, I, I'm I'm more interested in what the director can do. She, you know, this almost is. You know, she had two. I guess sleeper hit and not really sleeper hits, but I feel like if she can make this work, she's probably going to be, you know, propel herself to, you know, top three or four directors for, you know, upcoming titles for big upcoming titles. I, ho- I hope she can. I, I hope she can make, you know, that, that's the thing. It's like you, you never know. It's one of those things where like uh, they announced, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn, Marvel, and we get one of the biggest hits ever. Yeah. So it's like, who knows? Who knows what Ava DuVernay is going to be able to do with the new gods? Um, I want to see her. I want to see her uh, turn this into something good. I mean, I, I'm hoping that um, p- 
part of me, like the, the rumors that I'm hearing that this is not directly connected with the DCEU makes it a little bit, I mean, it makes me more hopeful because I felt like as much as like Wonder Woman's a part of the Justice League, I felt like that Wonder Woman movie was not really connected to anything we've seen before. It was its own standalone movie. And I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. It wasn't bound by all the other bullshit that had been happening, you know, in Batman v Superman or Suicide Squad, you know? So, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I hope, uh, New Gods is good. Man, what the fuck, man? Eric, are they, like, okay, let's say it sucks, alright? Let's just say it sucks. When the fuck is Warner Brothers gonna pull the plug on this and just say we're done? Like, let's fucking, let's fucking, uh, just stop this shit, stop the bleeding, and let's just reboot this shit after, like, you know, five years or something. You know, they may do that at Flashpoint. You never know. Yeah. They may reboot it now. I mean, I, shit, I, I, I'm about, I'm about done trying to guess at what that studio is going to do. I mean, you, you only... You only hope at this point is that somehow they stumble onto the right formula to get to right the ship. Yeah. Either that or someone else buys them out. I mean, there's been, there's been rumors of that. So yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I, I I just I it seems like they make bad decision after bad decision, and at some some point enough people are going to get fired that someone's got to eventually start going in the right direction. I honestly think, I honestly think that their biggest problem was they were chasing like, um, they need to listen to TLC. Don't go chasing waterfalls. I feel like they were chasing waterfalls and they were chasing after what Kevin Feige was doing with the Marvel cinematic universe. They were like, we're going to do, you are killing it with the music references tonight. I just want you to know that and you're killing it. Am I killing it in a good way or in a bad way? I'm not saying any more than you're <laughs> killing it. You're just killing it. <laughs> right. No, I agree. I agree with you. They need to stop. I mean, we said that from yeah. almost day one. Yeah. I mean, it was like, stop chasing after Marvel. Yeah. Don't go after Justice League as your, like, third fucking movie. Well, Sit yeah. back and take your time and develop these characters yeah. and give us some good movies and quit. Well, For God's sake, quit giving everything to Zack Snyder. I think it just goes back to I, – I really think that they should abandon their expanded universe and just go back to making, like, individual movies. Like, I, I, oh, I agree. at this point, I don't care if, you know, Superman ever interacts with Batman ever again, like, in, in the movie universe. Just give me a great Batman movie. Like, I don't – Superman doesn't have to exist in that universe anymore. Like, you gave me that. I was not happy with it. Like, let's – Let's move away from that. Like, like let's Gal Gadot, uh, Gal Gadot. Like, I loved her as Wonder Woman. Like, we can just have Wonder Woman movies. I can just have a Flash movie. I don't have to have, you know, Superman hanging out with Trucker Aquaman, you know, and, you know, in a movie. Like, it can all be separate at this point. And I, cause well, Kevin Feige, he knows how to pull these things together where, I feel like Warner Brothers does not have that linchpin, that that guy or that lady that knows how to like bring these things together. He, they don't have that person. Um, oh. So, you know, I don't, Kevin Feige's don't grow on fucking trees. The guy's been in the business forever. Like he he was he was doing the X Men films twenty years ago. He was doing those fucking X Men films. He's been working. He worked with Galen Hurd, you know, who's now with The Walking Dead. Like he's been doing this. 
learning from these people. And he's a fan of this shit. So I don't know. It's just, you just don't have Kevin Feige's out there. I feel like, God, wouldn't it be nice if like when Kevin Feige gets done with his Marvel Cinematic Universe, if he just fucking goes over to Warner Brothers and says, hey, let me fix your DC shit. Okay. Oh, no joke. You know, like I would not be opposed to that at all. Like he, Kevin Feige just shows up on Warner Brothers, like, you know, a doorstep and said, and you know, that, that, and, and the DC, I would love to see the DC fans that have been bitching about the Marvel movies being too funny. And if Kev, I would love to hear their fucking reaction if Kevin Feige shows up to Warner Brothers when he's done with his phases of the MCU. And shows up to fix the shit out, shit going over on at Wonder Breath. I wonder if their, I wonder if the reaction would change then. If they, if, if they'd be, oh no, Feige's gonna come fuck up the, the DCEU. Or if they'd, or if they'd welcome him with open arms and say, thank God. And he's, he's our fucking savior. You know what I mean? Fix, fix this shit. Right? Right. I mean, I would love to hear what they say if Feige showed up to, to Warner Brothers. The same people that have been complaining about the humor in the Marvel Universe. It's just too silly sometimes. But then, I, I guarantee you, they'd welcome him with open arms. It's just like, it's just like all these pe- people that hated Michael Jordan for years. But if Michael Jordan would have joined the Knicks, fucking New York Knicks fans would have been rooting for Michael Jordan, I tell you that much. Oh yeah. Look at Cleveland and LeBron. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. We hate you. We hate you. We love you. We love you. Don't leave us. Exactly. Exactly. All right. That's all I got this week. I want to thank, uh, I want to thank, uh, Eric from the Supercast for joining us this week. Uh, Wally from the Terrible Talkers. Talk to me about your podcast. Um, it's, a pop culture type of thing. We do a lot of the same things we, you, you do. Uh, you know, the group I have on the podcast is I've been friends with these guys since fourth, you know, some of them, one of them's second grade, you know, so second, fourth, fifth grade. So we have that family dynamic that, you know, a lot of podcasts don't really have, which some weeks works against the podcast and some weeks works in favor of it. But I don't know. It's more of a, I don't know, Brian, how you think of it too. It's, it's, it's more of a, it's almost like a time capsule too, because you can go back six months a year and, put on a conversation that I would have never in my life heard or remembered. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just fun. It's therapeutic. It's a good time. There you so go. it's available. We're all podcasts are sold. It's terrible cool. talkers, the terrible talkers. So check it out on, I love your theme song. It's good shit. Yeah. He's uh the, the kid who did that is extremely talented. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, shout out to Gaz, the rapper. There you go. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. The terrible talkers. Uh, also check out Eric Wade on the supercast, uh, with Joe Vitale and Jordan Lincoln and, uh, David Isaac, uh, all good, all good podcasts. So, uh, thank you guys so much for joining me this week and, uh, definitely check out our bonus episode on the infinity war. If, if you're a huge, if you're a huge spoiler puss, I guess stay away from it. But I honestly, I think that listening to it, it'll enhance your viewing of uh, Infinity War. I really do. I, I do. I think the speculation, I think it's part of the experience, part of the fun. I think if, like, if you're not joining in the discussions, if you're not trying to guess what's happening in Infinity War, I think, I think you're losing out on some of like the, it's, it's, it's those moments, man. It's, it's those moments in history, the, the moments in pop culture, man. I love it. It's like, I wouldn't, I would not want to be part of that conversation. Like, do you remember when we thought this? Do you remember when we thought that? It's it's a lot more fun. I, I understand that some people just want to go in fresh and all that bullshit, 
But it's nice to know what you're getting into. You know what I mean? Ladies, think about it this way. Like if you knew the guy's dick size before you got in the sack with him, sometimes you would avoid some embarrassing situations. I think it's the same thing with knowing some of these things about these movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. That's all I got for you this week. And just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for listening and uh, thank you for your patronage. We'll see you next week. Bye. See you, folks. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say it's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture, leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the chaff. And we're the chaff, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say it's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say it's already been said? Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.